This is Jonah Hill, and you're listening to the only podcast that matters. Before we get to my main brawl, Danny Lomas, Lawrence, keep those motherfucking lights on. Cheeky. Throwing Fits is brought to you by Seasons, a members-only rental service for designer menswear. I know you've seen my boy Jimmy going absolutely loony, loony. buffoony, toony on the fucking TL in that spicy fur ambush Nike joint. I know you saw me last week going absolutely intergalactic planetary in the orally puffer. Blast and you off. can bet your fucking ass that those spicy garms that garner quadruple digit likes those are from seasons uh the new rental platform that james and i have absolutely fallen in love with we couldn't be more psyched to partner up with them uh what's in your bag that i guess touched down probably already right i got a nanushka puffer that i've been already wearing all month vegan Um, uh what yeah vegan Vegan, leather vegan leather but still so plush i got uh crushed velvet pants from kinky our dude and i Mm. got that Marnie, Marnie, Marnie on me. Marnie on me. Marnie on me. Marnie on me. I don't really know Marnie goes, on me. But, uh, yeah, the mohair Marnie. What about you, Larry? What you got? I got some. Oh, this is perfect. I got the vintage Stouty for the fucking lads. Aye. Um, I got uh, some beautiful lace green black Bodie number that's oh, going to look sexy. real good. And I think the gem of the bunch is the big pink Judy Turner quarter zip knit that I'm just so excited to tuck into a pair of pants and fucking lob onto the timeline for all of you to suck my fucking dick. I can't wait. Um, Seasons is the way that you and I have basically been test driving and dating Johns before we fucking throw down the plastic and and marry these bitches. You know what I'm saying? You date, you got to date before you marry, right? You got to, you got to walk before you run that. That's, that's it. That's what seasons is. Yeah, and I think the perfect example is like that Orly Puffer. I know that retails for like 800 and that's like pretty steep. I mean, sure, you know, Japanese garments, you and I, um, you know, we're, we're, we are um, absolutely familiar with, you know, spending a lot of coin. Um, but now that I fucking wore that around, like I absolutely get it. And now I just got to find it. I just got to find it on sale. I need to fucking, you know, I got to fucking neutralize I mean, the, that John. <laughs> they just got the best brands, right? Like this Holly Capsule. Who's in this? No, our Lagache, 18 East, fucking new EG. And then even crazier is next year, uh, top of next year, 2021, there's going to be some in-season Johns on seasons from Jacques Mousse, uh-huh. fucking Wales Bonner, Casablanca, uh-huh. you know, fucking, fucking Murderer's Row. Um, and if you use the promo code throwing fits at checkout, you can get 25% off your first order. James, how do I spell that shit? T-H-R-O-W-I-N-G-F-I-T-S. No space, one word. Keep it simple. Throwing fits at checkout, 25% off. Um, If it needs to be mentioned again, this is kind of the way that James and I have been becoming better John's enthusiast, you know, uh, buying smarter, buying less, saving the world, saving our fucking bank account, and... Looking fucking great while we do it. And we uh, couldn't be happier to partner up with Seasons. So use that fucking promo code. Get 25% off Seasons. Better way to rent, bitch. Roy, what's all this then, Fro Gang? We are joined by the Cheekbone Chief, the Baron of Banter. Oh, Danny boy, the Johns, the Johns are calling the mod god, his honor of High Street, your local 
your favorite local's favorite local, Lord of the Lads, the head honcho of hooligans, formerly the packy fucking blinders, model, content creator, and throwing fits top UK fan, Danny Lomas. <laughs> Danny! Danny! <laughs> Danny, my boy. What's up? I was, you never cease to amaze me, boys. No, of but course not. That That's... was fantastic. Uh, Danny, we're, we're absolutely ecstatic to have yes. you on the podcast. Uh, before we dive in to the meat and potatoes that I'm sure you're extremely familiar with, as I, I think you're our top UK fan is what James said. The first thing <laughs> that we want to do, and I, can, uh, and I already see that you're looking fucking spicy from the waist up. We want to do a fit check, my friend. So do you yeah. want to start top down or bottom up? The choice is yours. I mean, I had no idea Hidden Y was from the UK and he fell for it. <laughs> So we'll go bottom up. We'll go bottom up. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Not a Bobby. Not a Bobby. (laughs) Yeah, not (laughs) Not a Bobby. Bobby. No, never. So for shoes, um, technically I'm half cheating. I'm in a hotel room right now. I'm in the the Hilton Slides. Are you going to steal those? Are you going to steal those? I mean, yeah, they're kind of single use. But the last time (laughs) I stole a pair of these, I actually ended up wearing them for like six months till the tour kind of broke out. So (laughs) these are not single use for me. So yeah, I'm, I'm sound to be wearing them. The, the comfy, the cozy. My feet are way too big for them, so I'm hanging off the backs. But <laughs> the ex- you need the extendo. We need to throw the extendo clip the on those. Like, that's it. And slides, yeah. <laughs> there we go. And then what do you want, boys? Do you want socks? Do you want trousers? Yes, we want everything. Sit Right. Socks. Currently, I'm in a pair of Jolly socks. Okay. You want is, to that, is that a British thing? What is, is that, that a British slang term? Yeah. <laughs> Get your jollies off? Why not? Um, basically, they're they're fucking sick socks. Are like a like a weave. Ooh, and basically, they look uh, robust. Yeah, they oh, are. Man, they're sick. And basically, do you remember Tom's? The shoes, yeah. of Tom's. I'm so basically like Tom's, where if you buy a pair of jollies, then a homeless guy gets a pair of Tom. Uh, Tom's, oh, nice. A pair of jollies. Right. So doing bits around here. Um, trousers. These are thrifted. They're like some like tweed kind of blend. I've had them for years and. I left, I basically, we don't have a washing machine at our flat at the moment. So all of my good trousers and everything are at my parents' house. Um, I forgot to collect them, so I came out in these. They're pretty sick, actually. They're, they're yeah, man. They're are they solid. tailored? They look like they fit you perfectly. Did you like thrift them and then get them tailored or is that off the rack, right to body? Complete opposite. I've always loved the idea of thrifting something and getting it tailored, but I'm too lazy to. So I'm okay. just very fortunate <laughs> these fit perfectly. Yeah, they look um, good. Going up, I'm in a John Smedley little like roll neck. No, not a roll neck, a turtleneck. Okay. Uh, I know people get a bit mad if you say a roll neck. It's well, no one can see you besides us, so you can you can lie you can and lie. cap as much as you want. Yeah, I can lie. It's it. Um, I'm in a- <laughs> You're wearing a tuxedo, a full tuxedo. I'm in a tuxedo. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Uh, I'm in like, a little little black Smedley turtleneck. I have a, a sherry silk scarf, an essential, and technically, I'm in a Prada L at the. I'm in a product LRMX 024. I'm not going to lie. You're not reading there. the product description off of Mr. Porter, are you right now? <laughs> to be fair, boys, I, I genuinely did have to Google which model this was. It's nice. It's, it's, a, it's like a khaki with big old like bellow big pockets kitty, up top. Big kitty yeah. pockets. Yeah. Well, I'd never seen this exact one before, but it's the same one that Rocky wore. He had the, the lavender blue and gray one. Mm-hmm. The hooded one. The one with the fat ass pockets. Yeah. Um, I basically, I saw this on a, an archive page and I saved it to my Instagram saved. Um, and then I was out with Olivia, who's like the, the Prada PR. And I wouldn't stop going on about this jacket. So the one that I'm wearing is, it's a beige one and it's got a color. And I've never seen it before. And I thought that is the grail jacket. 
And um, yeah, I, I told her about it. And then basically she came back and she was like, Danny, I've got a present for you. I was like, no way. She's like, this is the last one in Prada. So this is a sample wow. waterproof. Damn. Um, and she basically sent it out to me and I've never seen one similar and I've never seen it without. And yeah, basically when I showed her the photo, thinking that it was Prada way back, turns right. out it was SS20, I'm pretty sure. So oh, she's wow. okay. one left in the office. But it was kind of cheating because I'm going to take it off anyway because it's very rustly. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I guess right, I, right, I forgot to uh, mention that in... Sick, in I forgot to mention that in your introduction is that um, you're the Thanos of thirst. It sounds like you very intentionally were like, oh, Olivia, check yeah. out this awesome photo. Oh, right. I, I forgot to mention, I just saw this, you know, when I was you know, <laughs> surfing the World Wide Web. It was, it was a genuine accident. But after a few drinks, I was like, right. don't mention Prada. I'm sure she's absolutely fucking sick of it. And then it slipped out. And then from then, I was like, yeah, you, you know what? You manifested. Oh, that's a closed mouth doesn't get fed. I mean, this is James is always going on and on about how I myself am the Thanos of thirst, but I'm like, yo, if you don't ask, you know, how are you supposed to fucking get it? You what know, about, you gotta, uh, gotta manifest what about, this shit. What about the yeah. hardware? I see some, some sparkles on, on the wristicles, some Fiji on the, yeah. on the fingers. <laughs> so, um, I had one gold bracelet that I used to wear and basically it was really thin at the time. Obviously gold's measured by weight. And it's all I could afford, but I really wanted a gold bracelet rather than getting some plated shit, rather than getting different accessories. I've always loved the idea of having solid gold. Um, and then on my birthday, me and my mum wandered down to Hatton Gardens and I couldn't decide between the two. And I was like, you know what? It was my 21st birthday. I'm going to treat myself to both. Oh, wow. Double these I've got them, I'm pretty sure. I don't have any lessons anymore, so I don't have any reason to take them off. So I've got a little uh, a curb bracelet and a little identity bracelet. Very nice. Um, on my left hand, I have a, a blue face baby, Submariner, 1996. Oof. I'm born in Damn. 97, so we couldn't quite get the birthday. Right. But was, that for, was that for a special occasion or like, like how you got the gold bracelets on your birthday? Or is that just something that it had, it had to make its way to your wrist eventually and you were looking for any excuse? Well, the, the watch was a present from my... I wouldn't say joint family. I think it's the wrong thing, but like my family kind of pulled together. So it was presents from my parents, auntie, grandma, all a, cr- of a crowdsourced birthday gift. There you go. Yeah. Get some proper special. Whereas the bracelets are actually, I had birthday money and I just gotcha. wanted, uh, I wanted to splash out a little bit. So I also got a, a gold sovereign ring where I bought the mount in hull and I was wearing it just the mount without the Sylvie inside it um, for like two weeks then finally went to um, Hatton Gardens and I bought a sovereign from like a gold trader, got it mounted, and I don't know where it's gone. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> what? I'll find it. So it, literally, I'm guaranteed it'll probably be in my car because obviously with COVID going on, you're right. sanitizing your hands all the time. And with a sovereign, it just gets stuck underneath it. So I don't know what. Yeah. Take it off for uh, hand washing purposes. But I've got a pinky ring. It is actually a Pezo. I didn't huh. actually know that until miles after but yeah it's very nice but it's, but it's it's sound you're you're a jewelry guy but it's done like in a tasteful way like you're probably familiar with the dudes that are like crazy chromed out where it's almost like a competition to see how many rings you can fit on each finger and i'm personally not like opposed to the, the idea of jewelry but there is like you know a point where you've gone too far you seem to course, keep it yeah. within the realm of of class there's there's wearing gold nice because I don't suit silver jewelry, so I always love gold, but you can definitely overdo it and look like a bit of a wide boy. 
Okay. Like a, a wide boy. That kind of, do you know what I mean? Like sell you a used car kind of thing. Okay. okay. Fine line, darts player and looking kind of slick. So yeah. I try and keep it fairly minimal. And then underneath the scarf. Mm. Um, Ooh. Yeah. So this is a freshwater pearl necklace. Very it nice. Is, um, our stylist, Lewis Munro, his girlfriend, Justina, she makes these. So I had it for a Gucci shoe. And then I realized afterwards, um, so I had a gold necklace. And then uh, Lewis gave me this, uh, the pearl necklace for the Gucci shoot. And afterwards, I realized that Lewis had gone home and I was still wearing it. So I texted him, I was like, you know what? How it's convenient. Kind of now I'll buy it off you. Right. So yeah, I just transferred Justina the money and it's never left me next since. Does, does pearl necklace have the same uh, <laughs> connotation in the UK as it does over here? Yeah, I realized okay. that. <laughs> so you're, yeah. Fami- you're familiar with the sexual term? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Come on, chest. We didn't know if that, you, know, you never yeah. know what's going to get lost in, in, in translation when it comes to the cultural norms of yeah. the US versus the UK. But it's good to know that you're familiar right. with the yeah. act of a guy uh, coming on uh, any, really, a guy or a girl's uh, chest. <laughs> yeah. And what about the yeah. pen? Yeah. We can't, we can't... And be that guy who makes innuendos if right. you were going to say, I have no idea. And I end up fucking trying to <laughs> you know, right? Do you know how I to say, let it go. do you know how to say hemorrhoid in Italian? Innuendo. There you go. Really? Good joke. Damn. No, that's a fucking not? bad joke. Um, <laughs> all right. Speaking, speaking, of, speaking of penises and cum, uh, what are the panties? What, what panties are you wearing? So uh, I've always been a Calvin Klein man, but I'm okay. in Paul Smith today. Really? Oh, Sir, classic. Sir Paul Sir. Smith. Sir yeah. Paul Smith. OBE. Sir Paul Smith. Yes. Yes. Paul Smith, OBE. OBE. Yeah. Okay. I think, that's a, I think that's, a, that's a complete fit check. Thank you, Danny. Appreciate that. Danny, thank you. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, let's get into – that was a – Great fit. And let's get into the meat and potatoes. Spectrum fits the only podcast that matters. So as I believe you're aware, the three main subjects of this podcast are money, ka-ching, bangers and mash, <laughs> former, formerly known as meats and cheese. Yeah. Sucking and fucking. But again, then we're going to translate it for you culturally. Yeah. And most importantly, Jimmy and Larry, the goddamn motherfucking boys ourselves. ourselves. Yeah. Today was a big day for us. Um, you know, as of two hours and 20 minutes ago, we dropped the only loafers that matter. Yeah. Hey, congrats. Did you cop Thank you. the yeah, throwing fits, Blackstock and Weber loafers? Yeah. Did he buy a pair of those? Made in your home country. Yeah. I know. You know what, boys? I have just come from a Drake shoot. I have mm. been doing all day. Mm. I wake up. I've been used to waking up at 10.30 in the morning and today <laughs> I get about half past five. So I am sweaty. I am dirty. I am knackered. I am delirious from sleep deprivation. <laughs> but... Um, I haven't managed to cop yet. Okay, I was hoping to get plugged. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> figured. But well, we're working uh, with a, um, we're working with a young black independent creative, and so we didn't right. want to like take money yeah. out of his pocket. We would never want to. You don't want to take food off his plate. You know what I'm saying, Danny? But you know what? it's I, a pre-order. It's a pre-order situation. Loafers never fair. sell out on throwing fits. That's fair. Go on. Who's collaboration with? It's Blackmore and Black, Blackstock and Weber. Blackstock and Weber. He does would, good shit. Yeah. The great thing about Blackstock and Weber is we're going to make them in the UK. Then they get they get shipped to America, and then we'll ship them back out to you in the UK. We want to we want to yeah. create as big of a carbon footprint as possible. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a New York guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he's, he's a he's a fellow Brooklyn homie. But yeah. I, here's Shout the thing, Chris. though: is is uh, you know I know that. Um, you used to be very into more of like a pure streetwear aesthetic and like those brands. Uh, but now one of the first Google autofills when I type out your name is Danny Lomas Loafers. Is it? Yeah. Also yeah. Um, net worth, but there were no, actually no <laughs> stuff. But yeah, I guess like when, when and why did you start kind of evolving into your current aesthetic of what I think fits 
or aligns with what me and Lawrence are into, which is what we call like grown man streetwear, where you are doing like hotel slides with maybe like a Prada piece, but also thrifted trousers. It's a high, it's a high, low thing. Yeah. <laughs> high, low must fit. From Hilton to Harrods. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of <laughs> there like. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, even going back to, uh, yeah, to Blackmore and the Hawks, I was looking <laughs> into him yesterday. It is Blackmore and Hawks, isn't it? Black no, Blackstock and Weber. Blackstock and Weber. Where did I get that from? I'm fucking, I, I was on some. You're, you're yeah, just creating I'm, fake I'm, British. I'm, it's like, I'm, it's like fake British brand Mad Libs. Yeah, like just like fill a, in, like a guy you know, whatever. Film. Throw Black an ampersand in the middle. barrels. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was looking into him. He's fantastic. He, yeah, he's, he is. Shout out, Chris. He, well, he's, he, you're, well, you're going to get free shit now because I know Chris is going to be listening. So I guess you've solved your problem. How to get free? Oh man. Well, what was it? He made a derby and an Oxford and a loafer. Yeah. And now he's kind of set on. He only wants to make loafers now, doesn't he? Yeah. He, well, geez, he just wants to pump it all into into the loafer vision, where he's like, you know what? Yeah. If we're going to make one product. We're going to make it damn fucking good. Yeah, he just did like some tassels, some spectators. He obviously has the horse bit with us. He's got another, I think we have some horse bits coming up too. So it's like, yeah, it's, he's doubling down on the loafers, maybe. Oh man, it's it's refreshing. Like it feels good because loafers have been around for fucking years, obviously. And for me, I've always been into trainers. And I first started wearing loafers. I think my first ever pair of loafers was a Dr. Martin's Adrian. Mm. Which is obviously a loafer, but it doesn't really count as a loafer. It's still kind of a hybrid, I guess. Right, exactly. It's That's an easy it. entry point, right? That's an, an That's easy it. way to fall into it. A lot the of gateways, guys... Gateway yeah, drug. Exactly. Doc is the gateways, for sure. It's the marijuana yeah. to our heroin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the pure, raw, uncut, <laughs> unstepped-on, black tar heroin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like my first pair of like official loafers, if you would. Um, I'm a UK 10, and I used to hang around at the Priory Menswear a lot. And they had some like B-stock penny loafers. It was Baswegians. Mm. We had the wine pair. And I remember, um, I think we had them for like, I think Vince gave them to me for like 20 quid. Because they're, I think one size, because they're all handmade. And I can't remember if one size was officially bigger, but one shoe was definitely bigger than the other. <laughs> so I was walking around them. But I was like, you know what? I want to make these work because these feel like they've come to me at a certain time where I, right. it's like last chicken in the shop. You need to have them. <laughs> and I remember genuinely, no word of a lie, I've always romanticized um, penny loafers to have the penny in them. Okay. So I went, I was, I had a two pence piece in my wallet and where there's a, there's a bank opposite the Priory. And I went into that bank and said, can I, it must've been 2015. And I think I went in with a grotty two pence. And I said to the guys behind the counter in the bank, can I please have two brand new shiny 2015 one piece, please? They must have looked at me like an idiot and they went straight into my loafers. Um, but I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you know how that first came around? And it, it, is that how? For cigarettes, right? So you could buy a single cigarette. For, for cigs and, and phone calls. Oh, maybe. Right? Yeah, cigs and phone calls? Yeah, I heard it from phone calls. It's so if you go to a phone booth, because obviously they didn't have mobile phones like back then, it was used to have emergency money so you could make a phone call if needs yeah. be. So you used to tuck your penny inside your uh, like your little yeah, yeah. your, your penny yeah. Are these the like saddle there. are these kind of like hidden little bits and nuggets of history or things like you you didn't know but you're learning? Like, is that what kind of draws you? To again, this like more aesthetic of like grown man street where we're where I, and I know that like thrifting has always been a big part of your uh, personal style and, and you come from, you know, the north, fucking the land of meat pies and and minor fits. <laughs> um, so like I yeah so I guess the question is like besides loafers, how else did you kind of get past more like hype streetwear? So to tell you the full story, my my mum was a mod. 
back then. Technically, she was a revival mod. Okay. So you had the, the mods in the 60s, and that originally started, I know some purist mods are probably going to eat me alive if I get this wrong, but modernists, like mods are short for modernists, and they used to look to Italian style, very like Serge Gainsbourg, it used to be right. like button-down shirts, nice slacks, just everything smart. You wanted to get away from, I think it was post-war, because after the war, obviously everything was starting to go to shit and everyone realized like you need to reuse, uh, reduce, reuse, recycle. So they were kind of, it was a bit shabby, but for a reason. And I think the modernists kind of used to take that and be like, you know what? We want to look slick. We want to look suave. We want to take the best stuff and we want to stand out. And then after that, that kind of became one style. And then when Quadrophenia, the movie came out, yeah. um, the, the really, album in the movie, right? Yes. So it was, um, I think, well, you had mods before then who used to be in like the polo shirts. That's when the Fred came about. And then Quadrophenia kind of romanticized the mods we know today. And mm-hmm. then after that movie came out, um, that kicked like the 80s revival mod. Sure. Where people who weren't really mods started to see, oh, you know what? Fred Perry's uh, M51 Parker's loafers. Yeah. And that's the stereotypical mod you see today. It's very much like football factory. Like you'll get people wearing Stone Island, sure. you're wearing continental sportswear. And as soon as football factory comes out, everyone wants to wear Sergio Ticini zip ups. Sure. And I think stuff like that's just really cool where it's got a history. So even you hear about the mods fighting the rockers, mm-hmm. but in reality, the original mods were fighting the eighties revival mods because they're like, you're not proper mods. You're sure. just freaks. You've seen a movie. Gatekeeping, bro. They were gatekeeping their own yeah. shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, but there's still something about that where it's like, you know what? And I think now that them boys have grown up and like, if you were 20 years old back then, you're like, what? 50s, 60s now? Sure. And it's like the new, the young guns have kind of come up and they've taken it, they've adapted it. And now obviously the internet's so vast, you can find any kind of style at the tip of your, your fingertips. So I think you can go back and you can you can see the reference points. You can dress like that. And now you get like, I'd say someone like me where it's like, I'm not fully diehard. I'm not going to gatekeep M51 Parkers being like, this is the only jacket that's going to grace my back. You can wear a bit of everything. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like the underlying ethos, I guess. As long as you look cool and sharp, you're a mod. I love that. It's almost post-mod. Yeah, post-mod at, this, mod. at this point, yeah. And I guess like as, you're, as your style or personal style is like evolving and, and you continue to just, I don't know, like uh, grow on your own little John's journey, what are the brands currently that you're really fucking with? Like that tickle your pickle right now. Maybe they're going to give you a pearl necklace. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck's sake. Uh, Obviously you can't come on here without mentioning Bodhi. Bodhi. Is Bodhi big in the UK? Yeah. Not massively yet. I don't think. Interesting. Do you like that? That it's a little bit more under the radar still versus like, well, not that it's huge in the States by any means, but at least where James and I live in New York and Brooklyn, like it's a pretty popular brand. I mean, you know, they're getting a lot of love. Do you prefer it that it's like a little more low key where you're at or? Well, I think us Brits going by like fashion week, you get a lot of brands who are fantastic. That should definitely hit not the mainstream, but don't get much credit, but you occasionally get the real breakout designers. And I think Birdie's one of those. Where I think there's there'll be twenty like art like designers that are similar to Birdie. They just don't they don't have that step yet. They haven't broken through mm-hmm. to really get that recognition yet. And once they do, that's when it's like, oh yeah, I own this Charles Jeffrey piece. I own this, and it's like um, that's when you kind of get to the meat 
the meat and veg, the meat and mm, what do you right, call it? Right, exactly. Meat and potatoes. Yeah. The meat and potatoes, and I think. I like what, are, what, are, what are some other under the radar brands besides Bodhi that you would like want to take the opportunity to shout out? Whether you uh, own pieces and wear pieces or that you, or you aspire to. I think Bethany Williams is fantastic. I think, are you familiar with Bethany? No, no. no I'm not familiar. We're Bethany. familiar with Bethany Frankel, who's a real housewife of New York, but I don't think yeah. <laughs> skinny, skinny girl, Margarita. Yeah. Skinny girl, Margarita. You should cop. It's delicious. <laughs> Send me a link, boys. Very sure. few calories. Uh, um, yeah. Bethany's very into like upcycling. She, she puts a twist in it where you'd never guess it. It's upcycled. I think that's quite a cool way of putting it. Obviously like, um, is, is upcycling in general, like, uh, having uh, it's time in the sun and hopefully it's not just flash in the pan. Um, cause over here it's like, yeah, Nicole McLaughlin, right. Is definitely like, the, Oh the, yeah. She's fantastic. The yeah. leader of that, um, she was on a previous podcast podcast of ours that shall not be named, yeah. uh, our legacy workshop, mm-hmm. um, Patagonia and Levi's and, um, have, have been at the forefront the of North that. face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is, is it also kind of, cause, uh, we talked to a friend that worked at Depop and he's like, yeah, like people are, it's a way also for people to put their own spin on things. Right. And not necessarily yeah. like start from scratch. 100% like, um, there's Sam Noel. He's brilliant. He takes, uh, pub bar mats, you know, with mm. the old like logo. Really? Thing. Yeah. He turns them into trousers. Martine so Rose like, did a bunch of pieces like that too. Yeah. yeah it's very much like Martina's Rose. She did like the, the Carlsberg one where it's Martina Rose, um, mm. I can't remember the slogan, but yeah, it's that very similar style. And um, was Ma- uh, yeah, was Martina Rose? Was that actually upcycled, or was that just? The I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I, that was definitely the inspiration. Um, I don't know if it was actually upcycled, but uh, yeah. and I want to say that it it wasn't. But uh, that's cool to know that a guy has taken it even further to the next level, which is like you know, yeah, like Sam using real barmans from like beach towels. He made, uh, I think Elias wore them on one of our episodes and it was beach towels made into trousers and they're very layery. Like, I don't think I'd wear them myself, but I can really appreciate them. I think they're fantastic. But um, oh, I was going to say about it. There's another one about that. What did we just start chat about? Well, we were talking about just brands that you're fucking with right now in general. And then it was kind of like, yeah. since you mentioned Bodhi and how it is a little emerging in the UK and, and still here as well. Like, yeah, just, just brands you're fucking with right now that you want... Um, listeners of the show to go check out whether they're under the radar or just like what is kind of compromising the majority of your wardrobe right now. Yeah. Well, it's like, have you been to fashion week in London? I went once, uh, when it was like Astrid Anderson was like the hot fucking shit. And like KTZ, I think it was like 2015, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 2016. Wait, James, I've never why, seen, did you, why did you go to London fashion? I was on a, I was on a press trip for like London fashion week men's. And then I was like, Hey, I'm going to go hang out with my homies at KTZ and, and Astrid. And they're like, no, come check out like Paul Smith. I'm like, mm, I'm, I'm good. Was that um, when, when Topman was sponsoring like yeah. all of London fashion week men's? Okay. Yeah. 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 And yeah. like, yeah, it's with like London fashion week. You kind of, there's a lot of names that you don't know. And I think they're the most exciting ones where you'll turn up. It's like, Holy shit, this is fucking sick. Like, the first I time I saw like Christopher Kane, I think. Chris McCain's brilliant. Uh, who else have we got? We've got like, uh, oh God, Stefan Cook, uh, Martin Rose, Nicholas Daly's fantastic. Yeah. Nicholas Daly's brilliant. Mills Bonner. Mills um, Bonner. E-Touts. Yeah, um, yeah a lot E-touts, of great yeah? yeah. All those guys, like, you maybe see them in places like LNCC. You guys know yep. Yep. LNCC is fantastic where they're kind of like a, a showroom wholesale, re, uh, was it multi-brand retailer? And they kind of give these young designers a platform. So, uh, Perea as well. 
Jennifer oh, Hale. right. Uh, she does. The, she's the Iranian, right? Yeah. She's from Iran. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or she's uh, of Iranian descent. She does all the amazing, like the rug. Like that's what she's like known for. Yeah. But she does other stuff too. But yeah, she's amazing. That's it. So like young designers like that. That's where it'd be stocked in LNCC. Where even if you don't buy anything, it's it's like Dover Street where you go there for the experience. And it's like yes, stuff will be very expensive, but it's because these stuff are one-offs. Like LNCC some- looks like a fucking Kubrick film on the inside. Oh man, Nuts. it's fantastic. It's I mean, brutal. all right, so. So it's, you obviously have a lot of uh, pride for these UK brands. And I think that the, what, what London Fashion Week does so much better than at least New York Fashion Week is that they, like, they give the resources and a platform to like, emerging brands. Whereas New York Fashion Week, uh, there's no support for the arts or the creative, creativity. So there's just like well, they claim, dog. They claim yeah, and, it is, but it's not. Yeah, and then it's like dog eat dog. But then it's really just, you know, oh, it's like the Perry Ellis and Nautica show. Um, yeah. But, but I guess like, Beyond just the UK, I would love to know just your favorite clothing brands of all time. Ooh. All time, uh, number one would be Fred Perry. Easy. Really? Yeah, I think it's. Are you it's, aware of what the Are you aware of the Proud Boys here in the US? Because they've given Fred Perry a bad name, unfortunately. Oh man, they've abs- they've taken the yellow and black as well. The black and yellow, yellow. black is now banned yeah. for sale in the US. <laughs> yeah, and it's awful, and it's kind of. Fred Perry could swing either way where they've got such an audience where we could literally drown them out and right. really take it back from them. Sure. But I think it's gone too far. It's got such a negative connotation that it's not even worth it. It's like, no one wants to be that guy to spearhead it because if it all goes wrong, you're under the bus. And right. I think it's not worth it because there's plenty of other colorways. It's like, you know what? If you guys want to have that, we all we know that you're knobheads. Like, I think there's no <laughs> point in even trying to touch that. Right. Uh, that's, 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 that's English for dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll just be, I'll be very upset if I was a Wu-Tang fan. Yeah. Well, Why? I remember. I was, oh, because of the yellow and black colorway. Yeah. I always remember to, uh, Stokes taking a Fitbit because I actually did a, a brief stint working at Fred Perry whilst I was doing PAQ because we were only filming at this point. Uh, I'd come down to London maybe twice a month for like three days at a time. So for the other 24 days, I had nothing to do. So I'd been shopping at Fred Perry in York Designer Outlet since I was nine. We used to go there every Sunday with my parents. Um, Mark, That's church, baby. Church on Sunday, hitting the Fred <laughs> Perry Outlet, baby. And Mark was the manager then, and he still is now. He, he ran the store since it opened in Designer Outlet to now. And um, we always used to pester Mark and be like, have you got a Saturday job? You've got a Saturday job? He's like, he's 12 years old. He's not going to work in the fucking stock room. <laughs> right. We kept bugging him. And then as soon as I came out of a meeting with PAQ where they were like, you know what boys, we're doing well. It's going to ramp up. We're going to need you down like more often. And then I got a, I got a call as I came out of the meeting room being like, Hey buddy, it's Mark. We've got a zero hour contract. Do you want any hours? I was like, fuck it. Yeah, I'll take them. And it was meant to be a three month contract and I ended up being there for like seven or eight months. So I physically couldn't. Right. And um, I remember taking a Fitbit where I had well, I even got them now. I don't have the lace in them, but Doc Martens. I had the yellow laces in those. I had some black Dickies work pants I'm pretty sure I was wearing, and I had the yellow and black twin tip, and I felt the bollocks. <laughs> so I was stood in front of, we have the, the polo wall. I'm pretty sure it's the same in all Fred Perry stores where they've got all the stock, but you'll have the polo wall. So there's a certain way to fold them where you can get the, the sleeve uh, piping out and you can get the, uh, the collar piping so you can see which color it is. And it's just like a, a big wall stacked full of the different have colors. you since archived that fit pick or is that still public uh, did i ever post it i think i oh. might still have it you know okay 
But it'd be years ago now. We need that. We can use it as blackmail against you or maybe some compromise. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, so with Fred Perry, are you like how many is it just polos for you? Like, can you maybe explain the appeal for like an American listener that might maybe know about the history and the connotations associated yeah. with the brand, whether positive or negative. And then also they know about the Raph Simmons collab famously. Cool. Like w- w- for you, it's a bit, is it about the polos? Like just break it down real quick. So oh, I wouldn't even be able to do it real quick, but basically my <laughs> mum, when we went to designer outlet, I remember my mum, I would have been about, I would have been about 13. So you're old enough to wear clothes to impress your friends. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in Fred Perry and mum pulled out this, like, I think it was like a Navy V neck. And she was like, oh, it's 20 quid. Do you want it? And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'll wear it. It's a V-neck. I'd, I'd wear crew necks. And I remember we went to the Nike outlet and there was a 20 quid Nike jumper. And I was like, oh, mom, this is 20 quid. Can I have this instead? She's like, well, you've got your own money. I was like, well, what's the difference? <laughs> now, I've always kind of been, my mom's always swayed towards Fred Perry from her sure. and stuff like this. Like she was a mod and um, she'd that would be like branded for her. Like that would be like buying a Prada jacket. You yeah, just get right. branded polos before that. So to get a Fred was to get the proper piece. So I've always had that. And I'd say the polos are definitely a gateway where you can wear it with anything. Um, but the collaborations are really fantastic if you look into them. So they've had what? They've had Nigel Caborn. They've had Fred, uh, I'll say Fred Perry with Fred Perry. They've had Raph. They've had Bradley Wiggins, which is one of my personal favorites. Are you guys familiar with Wigger? No. Sir Wiggins, he's a cyclist. He was a first Brit to win the Tour de France. I'm pretty sure I'm not a oh, cycling wow. guy, so I don't know. Sure. But Wigger had a collab, and it's um, it's like turtle, like zip turtlenecks. Um, what did he have? He had basically he did the polos, but instead of having a polo collar, it was a zip turtleneck shirt, like more a like a cycling neck. jersey, right? Like yeah, kind of yeah, cycling jersey, but polo material. Very cool. They were quite like. I'd never really seen stuff like that. They've had Nicholas Daly. His collaboration was fantastic. They've had Barney Bubbles, the uh, graffiti artist. Mm-hmm. God, I could go on forever. But if you look into... Uh, so the collabs are what, are what to use a phrase from James, that's what's tickling your pickle, is the, the, like the, the deep yeah. catalog of collabs that kind the collabs, of... The collabs yeah. in the history, right? And it's so intertwined yeah. with like UK pop culture that it, seem, it sounds like th- that the... Yeah, like the pop culture entanglement in, in or embeddedness is like really what kind of like draws you to it. Definitely. And for me as well, like I'm a little nerd with stuff like this. So I love reading like the story about Fred Perry, where he was a table tennis champion. And then uh, one day he was like, fuck it, I'm going to try tennis. He ended up winning Wimbledon three <laughs> times. Yeah. He wasn't even like a tennis player by nature. It was yeah. obviously table tennis. Yeah, suck and my dick, Roger Federer. Yeah, well, <laughs> don't, don't disrespect Fed. That's the go. But that's kind of how James and I just yeah. fell into podcasting and now yeah. we're the only podcast that matters. So, you know, yeah. some people are just born for it, man. But I, what so I other, respect that. What other brands you put up there with Fred Perry? Oh, yeah, your, so Fred. Your, go, your goats of all time. You love Nigel, goats. right? You mentioned K-Born. That, you love Nigel, right? Oh, man. Nige is. Nige. Are you on a first-name basis with Nige? Nige is like my bloody like, I don't know what you call like, dad, I guess. He's just, he's fucking, Nigel's a 30, he's a 70-year-old man, but he's a 30-year-old bloke. Like, he's <laughs> in better shape than I am right Yeah, now. and you lost all that <laughs> weight, too. That's the other thing. He looks fucking great now. If anyone, oh, if anyone needs yeah. motivation for the, for a fitness jersey, a fitness, their own fitness journey, um, and me turning into a wayfish twink isn't doing it enough for you, Google Nigel Kborn weight loss, because he really fucking looks great. Yeah, I've never seen him without a smile on his face. He's the cheekiest bastard you'll ever meet. Like, he's always up for a laugh. And he's, 
he's probably the perfect role model in fashion where people can easily take themselves too seriously. But Nigel's the first person to turn around to someone in the street and be like, that fucking jacket you've got is fucking brilliant. I fucking <laughs> love it. And it's like, Jesus Christ, like, if he could be that happy and that, like, praise everyone, it just shows that you don't need pretense to get anywhere. And I think that's a very common misconception of people trying to get into fashion. Yeah, 100%. I feel like you need brands and you need to kind of look down on people to really yeah. kind of prove your You don't work. need to be a snob, right? You can be a man of the people. Exactly. Like nice I think Nigel's king of the people. We're going to talk about uh, Nigel and maybe, I don't know, some stuff you're working on later. Um, <laughs> I mean, wrapping up just favorite brands of all time, like anyone else you want to throw up there. Um, you know, I know Martins that. Essential. Doc Martens? Dr. Martens, yeah. So really just like, uh, really oh. just like a, U- a UK centric um, arsenal of brands, seems like. Well, I think it comes down to like the whole mod skinhead kind of yeah. uh, English subculture route where it right. is kind of the uniform, but it also ties into the whole music side. It ties into like right. the lifestyle side. And I think it becomes a community where you can never, you can never like turn your back on it. They'll never, you'll never surpass Dr. Martin's. Like you can get, um, can't remember the name of them now. But yeah, it's um, well. You can get like Solo Vare, which is like the uh, yeah, which is Vare. kind of which is what Doc Martens used to be, right? I forget. I don't know the it, whole factory the shit. But... The Jordans and that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Hender Scheme can take Jordans and they can make them out of premium materials, but you'll never be a Doc. Like you'll never mm. be a Doctor Martin. Yeah, because so your, foot will, your feet will like, bleed in the Hender Schemes. Yeah. Oh man, I don't really see the appeal in them myself. Have you always seen anyone wear them to death? Or uh, just- I have. Yeah. I have a pair of the Crocs that I've worn once for Fitbit and I've been meaning yeah. to put on grilled. <laughs> there's there's two types of Hender scheme wears. There's like the guy who you see like hit the Air Force One or the Jordan Four, or whatever, and it's like perfectly worn in, and you don't know the amount of pain and suffering it took to get to that point. And then you have someone like James who is not willing to to take on that pain no. and suffering, and they just sit on the shelf and they look perfect. Yeah, my feet, my feet too, my feet too pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I, was speaking- I, I thought they were. I thought they'd be like softer and supple. It's some hard fucking... I mean, eventually the patina you do put on them is like yours, right? And you got to earn that shit. And like, I have a Hender Scheme wallet that um, I really like the way it's kind of broken in from like the oils on my hands and and getting on my ass for a few years now. But um, can't do it with the feats, man. I just can't do it. Um, But okay, so British... Where was it? Transition God. British community. You were a big part of a phenomenon in the UK, like fashion, music, lifestyle, culture talking of course um about pack and like you know lawrence and i like lawrence myself and you we have a lot in common we're both super hot right our cheek mm-hmm. folks our cheekbones are fucking popping the banter is next level mm-hmm. um we also had a youtube show and it ended sounds like i think you had a youtube show too why did your youtube show end <laughs> so it was there's a few like bits of politics behind that i'm not going to get into but also just logistics of covid19 and I think that kind of, we still had episodes in the running to film and without obviously getting like too deep, I remember we filmed on the 12th of March and then on the, like, I left to go back to Yorkshire for my grandma's funeral the next day and I Sorry, basically didn't return to London mm. for three and a half months. And then in that like period where it was a whole lockdown, like I don't know how serious you guys had it in, uh, in New York, you are, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. I don't know how serious you guys had it, but for us, it was like, there is no point in like being back in London. Like you can't do anything. So I'd rather be at home in Driftfield with my family, with my cats, like big house, instead of being like a little flat 
where you can't leave. It's like, I've got my cars, I've got my garden, I've got everything to chill out in. And I think, yeah, we basically got a, a call from the guys being like, it's been a fucking good run, boys, but I don't think logistically this is going to work. Sure. So we're going to call it a day. I mean, so it's, it's sad, but it's... You just right. got to go out on top, like, and I think, like, uh, you know, Lawrence, like, our shit came to natural. I'm sorry, Lawrence, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was going to say one, one chapter closes, uh, another one opens. I just had one question. I, I'll, I'm admittedly someone who wasn't as crazy familiar with PAC when it was happening. You guys did do an episode that involved Grailed, and I remember that. Um, and you guys, yes. I, forget, I forget exactly who came through, but I, I'm familiar with that. Uh, one of the kids who works on our show, Rob, who is a huge PA PAQ head and is obviously a big fan of yours. He was talking to us about this episode when we were doing like the pre-production that we, we do because we're professionals. And he made an yeah. interesting point. He said that for a lot of people, PAQ was kind of like top gear, but yeah. for clothes. And that struck me as something really interesting. And I was wondering if, if, if you had heard that uh, comparison before and then just really why you think it was so successful. We, yeah, we get that comparison a lot. And I think that's the easiest way to kind of put it because if you say I do fashion YouTube, you instantly think of no shit. Cause I do love coffee, but it's like, how much is your outfit worth? Right. I think there's very much like you need to be really into it to kind of get it. And, um, I think with PAQ, we kind of took the pretense out of it or the pretentiousness. I can never remember what it is. We kind of took the pretentiousness out of it and we we just wanted to do things that everyone could do. And it's like, yeah, admittedly, we all have an interest in fashion on the show. It wasn't just like four random guys trying to get into fashion. We already had it. But we wanted to show that like it doesn't mean that you need off-white Yeezys, Supreme. Sure. You can just wear Fred Perry that like no doubt, although especially in America, you boys pay $80, $80 $90 for a polo. Yeah, they're, well, they're not cheap. Packs. Yeah. Yeah, for us, it's like 40 quid. And from outlet stores, you can maybe get them from like 30 20, 20 quid, like your, mom, like your mom was putting up there, you know? Yeah, that's it. So you can get them for like dead cheap. So we wanted to show that you can still look cool and you can make a style out of clothes rather than just having the brands that fit really ill or ill as in bad, not as in sick. Uh, <laughs> ill as in like yeah. fit terribly <laughs> and you're just wearing brands for the sake of wearing brands because it, yeah, you want to show people that like, Man, I mean, fucking suit trousers, a turtleneck, and a scarf. Right. And you boys are like, you look sick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just because this is Smedley and Sherry's scarf, it's like, it doesn't mean that you can't get all this from Uniqlo, technically. Right. right. You just wanted to be able to show that you can find a style. And I think PAQ works because me and the three of the boys come from such different backgrounds and it's such different styles of views on clothes mm-hmm. that you could easily gravitate to at least one of us. And if not, we'd kind of we'd style celebrities and stuff that none of us would really wear, whether it be styling women, whether it's styling rappers like fucking Lil Baby mm. or anyone in between and shit like this. Um, as if there's a massive gap between women and Lil Baby. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we want to show that like there's something out there for everyone and it doesn't just mean that you have to wear a certain fucking routine of shit and like if you're going to wear jeans, it's got to be Levi's. If you're going to wear a t-shirt, it's got to be Supreme and all this kind of stuff. You wanted to kind of take that out of it and be like, you know what, boys? Like, yeah. the the message is in the journey. It's not sure. the destination; it's the fun we have along the way. Right? Fuck, fuck the bullshit. Let's have fun with our boys yeah. developing personal style yeah. on a budget, right? Hundred percent. And I we, think that, I think also, I mean, I also don't want to underestimate uh, just like, and you alluded to this, but like um, the four different personalities that you guys brought together, and just like the harmony of the fucking boys 
Pack Boys. Um, I mean, if anyone, obviously everyone listening to this comes from you promoting us on your Instagram and thank you in advance for tagging our personal Instagrams. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But like, okay, you, you got... Because you boys have some fucking witty comments on the thing. Thank you. Yeah, oh. we'll, we'll talk. I mean, I will say I just followed Danny back like three days ago. It was like <laughs> my most lit follow back. I'm like, oh, 222,000 followers. Yeah, I think I could throw this guy a little fucking bone. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but all right. So, so you know, I to kind of uh, get into just why it was such a beautiful cacophony of personalities, like between yourself, Elias, Shaq, and Dex. Yeah. Let's say that, you know, for, for, lack, for lack of a better, so, oh, Elias? Elias, not the Elias. Elias Shaq Dex, for lack of a better analogy, if, if PAQ was a boy band, obviously you're the pretty boy, right? Oh, Elias. Yeah? Yeah. Elias is, is a light skin, like there's nothing wrong with this. He's a flawless face and we always used to laugh because when he like bats his eyelids, his eyelashes touch his eyebrows. Wow. <laughs> He's got like gorgeous like feminine eyelashes, so the women used to love it. Who's, who's the biggest diva in the crew? Oh, I don't know. We all have our moments, to be fair. <laughs> like, yeah, we all had our moments. It just depends on what the situation was. Did was you have any? Did boy? you have any? Like, did you have any weird, like, diva, like, things that you couldn't get over? Like, I need green M and M's in my dressing room. <laughs> uh, I need a cigarette break every once in a while. But sure. other than that, I was quite sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, who 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 was who was the bad boy? Yeah, who, who was the bad? Who was the Jimmy who, of yeah. the pack crew? <laughs> Uh, who's the horniest? <laughs> yeah, who's I mean, the, who the badass? The resident badass. I mean, Shaq was the oldest, and I think he kind of was the most mature, so he knew what he wanted, whereas us other three boys, I think we knew, like, we weren't malleable per se, but I think Dexter, he... Um, he loves like his underground like rap. He loves like his Memphis rap. He loves like uh, Raider Clan and stuff like this, and I think... Mm. He wasn't too happy when we went mega PG because I mm. think he felt like we were trying to stifle him, but it was for his own good. And for the shirt, I don't think it would work if you were really trying to be really dark and really open. Too hard. So it was like a, it was like a uh, sanit, like it was sanitized to some degree to like increase the wide appeal and the business yeah. opportunities. <laughs> it wasn't so much sanitized. It was more bringing out the side of him that was a, like Dexter's the most fucking heart of a lion, like lovely kid. And we just wanted to bring that side out of him because mm. he's like, he's not bashful, but he's like loyal as fuck. He's so sweet. And I think like when he's got it in his head that you want to be a bad boy, it's like, I get it. Like you do perceive yourself a certain way, but he needs to realize like, him coming across like that doesn't seem wet. It's, it's smart. It's like, that's what's going to set you up. It's like, you can either do your thing for two years and alienate your audience after, or you can act PG sure. and people get along with the nice side of you. And then it's like, you know what, man, you've got a fucking career. And now Dexter's like, yeah, he's still absolutely fucking lovely kid. He's focused on his rap at the moment. Nice. And it's like, yeah, you can pour your heart into it. It doesn't mean that your raps now have to be PG. Right. right. So yeah, man, you can. You were trying to you were trying to encourage his best impulses. That's really what it was. That's it. Yeah, hundred percent. Because Dexter, arguably, was probably the softest. He's the most sentimental, and me and Dexter really bonded on like old school rap. And he's one of those people where like if he gives you like a deep compliment, like it's not just going to be like, yeah, man, you got nice music taste. Dexter really sits you down. He's like, bro, like I never thought I'd click with a fucking white northern lad from like fucking Middle Earth. (laughs) <laughs> and you get this and it's like you get this bond with Dexter and he's fucking yeah so beautiful who was uh who was the fucking nerd who was the the bookworm me 
Yeah. Okay. So that's what you were. So then what was Shaq? <laughs> what was, the only person I feel like we haven't touched on is like, if you had to, not that we want to put everyone in a box, but where, what would be Shaq's archetype when you say them? So Shaq has always been an artist and a poet. And I think fashion, like he found his feet in it definitely. And like he kind of opened up to more stuff. And I think arguably Shaq was the one who would try out the most young designers and try out the most niche stuff. He was the most fluid in terms of style. Elias loved his brands. I used to give him a lot of shit and call him corny. <laughs> but it's because he was the most flamboyant. flamboyant. He used to wear like really bright colors. Dex used to love wearing just pure black and how he worked with that. But Shaq was the one where he'd discover a new designer and he'd be like, yeah, sick, I'm going to wear this. I'm going to rock it. One day he'd be in full tracksuit and do-rag. Next thing he's in full Charles Jeffrey with Cuban heels. But he's he championing do- the, 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 the underdogs or the, emer- yeah. the emerging, yeah. Shaq's the only one who went to university at all of us. College for you boys, isn't it? Yeah. And um, so he was working with a, lot of st- uh, with like a lot of young designers. So Shaq was always the first person to put his friends on as well. Sick. So he would always get young designers, especially young black designers, and give them the spotlight on PAQ as well and show that there's talent out there that maybe doesn't get the spotlight because not everyone who's got a sick fashion line will make it to London Fashion Week right, or right. even graduate fashion week. He wants to shine the spotlight on that. And I think that's why it works really nicely. Sounds like he really embodied um, our philosophy, which is support the homies. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. We all support right. our homies, but Shaq took it a step further where he really hammed it home. Well, we support the homies, but we also roast the homies. And I want to ask yeah. you a very yeah. difficult question here. Uh, if you had yeah, to right. rank the lad's style, let's go worst to best. <laughs> Four to one. Come on, uh, Danny. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to go with Dexter for the worst. Okay. okay. He's, he's, a, he's all black. Head to toe. It's a lot of band t-shirts. I would say it's predictable, but towards the end, Dexter was definitely getting more into, he'd definitely be more open to the fact of wearing black, like full black designers. So we get him into Rick, we get him into like the queen and stuff like this. So he'd, yeah, he'd kind of come out with that. But then at the same time, he'd still rock like a Vans backpack with loads of fucking keychains. And it's like, <laughs> come on, man, you were so close to high fashion. <laughs> right. yeah. You almost had it. But right at the um, end there, that, that caterpillar was becoming a butterfly, is what we're yes, saying. Yes. He was just he starting to find us. Okay. Yeah. And I think not in, an awful way, <laughs> not in an awful way, but like Dexter, in a genuine sense, I can't imagine Dexter, even after PAQ, walking into Selfridges and spending 800 quid on sure. a... Them a jacket. I'm sure he'd much rather spend it on comics and records. Okay. Respect. In second, I'd say Elias. This is number. This is number three. Number three. Yeah. There yeah, you yeah. go. Okay. Well, obviously, I'm number one. Uh, so <laughs> right. Sure, sure. L would be L would be number three because um, his style was loud, Larry, and it was a lot. It was very brand heavy towards the start, and then towards the end, it's the same thing again, where we kind of realised our channel's doing well. You kind of got the clickbait of having all this like branded shit. And towards the end, L was kind of taking these um, like fashion week designers and taking these young designers and wearing stuff like that. That really seemed to, obviously he might've had a part to play in it, but it almost seemed like he grew with the thing where young designers would come out with runway shows that you'd look at it and be like, every one of these pieces looks like Elias would wear it. Hmm. And I think that was a cool like, part of it where, yeah, he'd start to wear young up-and-coming designers and it looked sick on him. But I'd still, I'll always remember him being that guy in the fucking KTZ like, two-piece with the <laughs> right. fucking Supreme Bands and shit like this. Right. I'll always just call Elias. I always have to. Right. Um, that's our relationship. And then Shaq in second. I think Shaq's got such a fluid style 
that he's very malleable for anything. And I think you can't even pinpoint Shaq. Like he had a, he had a Com de Garçons phase where he purely wore Com and Japanese designers. And then out of nowhere, he went to Americana and he started wearing, um, I can't remember the name of the shop, but it's a shop in, um, in London that basically does this kind of stuff. It was very... Um, was it vintage uh, or newer? It's, oh man. It's basically just like Americana kind of thing. You guys have got a fantastic shop for it in downtown um, New York. It's in Manhattan. It's um, like Japanese, a lot of Japanese have a lot of needles, a lot of like the burn. Nepenthes? Nepenthes. I don't know if it is Nepenthes, but it might be. Right, because that's EG, needles. But there's one oh, in London now. It's like a thin store and it's got like a little upstairs bit. Yes, that's Nepenthes. Yes. That's yeah, Nepenthes. Nepenthes. Yeah. 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 That's our favorite. That's like our, James and I love that. That's like our yeah. favorite. Oh, it's fantastic. And they, yeah. opened up, and they opened up a London one like yeah. uh, two years ago, maybe. Oh, no way. Yeah. It's, I think I've heard about that. But. EG, needles, South to West State, um, arts and education. It's like a whole, you know, like a holding company of brands from Japan. Sick. And yeah. yeah. So that's like, Shaq went into that and then... Yeah, I, I wouldn't even be able to know what Shaq's wearing right now. It could be anything. And then so you're just yeah. and, and then you're, the you're just leader. Number the one. Boss. Danny. Top dog, alpha male. How would you describe your personal style? If we had to like do a, a, a kind of like a slogan or a tweet length, like how would you describe your look, at least right now? Because I'm uh, sure it's changed. Pretty fucking tame. <laughs> okay. It's pretty tame. Like I'm never, I feel like statement pieces, like, cause I, I love my cars and I love my, my creature comforts. I love my video games. It's like, I'm also the kind of person where I wouldn't go in there and spend 800 quid on one jacket. I'd love to get like little pieces. So I'd rather build up like a lot of Smedley pieces. Are you guys familiar with John Smedley? Yes. Yeah, of course. So like Smedley essentials, um, suit trousers are very easy. And a little tip is there's a brand called Relco. So Relco make stay pressed trousers, which are like kind of like a permanent crease, yeah. like uh, very starchy. They're only 30 pound and they seem to fit me perfectly. Oh, wow. There a you lovely go. break on like, especially with loafers, got like a lovely trouser break and it's 30 pound. And I think you could only compare it to like the impact on me is like the Dickies work pants. Sure. Mm. Like Dickies work pants are your transition from top man skinny jeans to wide trousers. I think right. work pants are a brilliant like bridge. So the Relco ones are kind of like a hidden trick that no one really knows about. Yeah. But um, you know a lot of good, a lot of good gateway yeah. garments on this, on yeah. this podcast. Cause that's really what it's like. It's the, those transition pieces are so crucial for like the kind of guy who's on a similar style journey to you or even my, myself and James when we were a little bit younger, which is like, you know, you know, dipping your toe into that, that pool, that, that, feels mature and confident, but definitely foreign for a lot of guys who yeah. like think that, Oh, if I'm wearing a suit, I'm going to, you know, a job interview or a funeral or something. Right. There you go. Like you're not going to walk into a shop wearing full top man and be like, I'm going to buy like Izzy Miyake. Like, right. Please. Yeah. Well, you're Danny, gonna... it's, it's one thing to ask you to rate, uh, the lads and yourself, but let's, let's take it to a higher source. <laughs> uh, that which knows best, which is, uh, your mom, your mom, <laughs> according to uh, Rob, our socials guy, uh, he said a source told him that your mom follows all the lads on IG. So, like, who's her favorite? Who's who's her number one? Uh, all the PAQ boys. I was going to say, it wouldn't surprise me if she follows oh, you boys. I mean, listen. Uh, yo, bang our line. Oh, man. I'm sure she will do. Um, hey, not bang your line. Fucking hell. I mean, <laughs> follow you, you bastards. Um, but, yeah, mom, I don't know. My dad what does she think is the most? Who does she think is the most stylish of the four? 
Is it is it baby boy? I think um, I we so. never really chat about the personal styles. To be fair, like my mum just goes by like I'll come back from PAQ and she gets it, but at the same time she just she just loves everyone for who they are kind of thing. It's mega wet, but yeah, I've never really actually sat down and like asked mum, mum, who would win in a fit off? <laughs> like, that's never really come up. But um, and she'd be like, "It's Dex. Dex. Dex, Dex yeah. has the best style." <laughs> yeah, you're wrong, Danny. <laughs> there you go. I'm sure if fucking Dex wore like a jam t-shirt or something like that, or the Who t-shirt, I'm sure Dex right. just be top spot. Yeah, your mom's easy to pander to. We know what she likes now. I mean, we've only been talking for like you know an hour, so easy. There you All go. Right. Last PAQ question: uh, Are we ever going to see a PAQ reunion? Uh, you know what? I'd like to down the line. I think now is a good kind of point where we'll leave them wanting more and focus on our own things. Because, well, let's talk about that. Cause so you guys yeah. are all like, the, it, you know, the, the time is right. And it seems like you guys all have various interests, which is what made the show so great. But now you're really pursuing the things that truly resonate with you and same and same with the other guys. Right. But yeah. like, let's talk about um, what you've been doing post pack, especially like this Nigel Caborn collab. This is like the fucking, I, I need to hear about this. So no one actually knows about that. That is pre-alpha stage. You boys are hearing this completely news. There you go. Yeah. So um, basically at the start of first lockdown, I think it was funny enough. I don't think you boys will have like followed me back then or whatever. It was, it was April. It was a 21st, no, it was 22nd. My mum's birthday is a 23rd. And then uh, I was chatting to Nigel on the phone and we just had like a good catch up. It started off me catching up with his daughter, just his mates. And then she was like, oh, Nigel's here. Like, he'll, like he wants to chat to you. So I had a good night with Nigel. I got my dad in. We were all just having a little, good little FaceTime. And Nigel's like, oh, we need to fucking do something, Danny. Let's have a, should we do a fucking collaboration? I was like, are you joking me? Of course I'm down for a fucking collab, Nigel. Started chatting for ages and he was like, ah, oh, I want to do something on Instagram as well. Like, I want to get it up. I was like, let's take this FaceTime to Instagram live. So we did that and I was drinking loads and whatever. And I remember just fucking getting absolutely hammered. And then at midnight, it turns my mum's birthday. And I remember going in from my garden. Like, like I did this from like my shed. It's like a little man cave. And I was going inside, absolutely pissed. And I remember being sick into my bed. Oh, no. <laughs> so, mum's birthday was her fucking cleaning up my vomit for the first time. <laughs> wow. And the year. start. Yeah, yeah. I, barely, I barely remember that like FaceTime much. <laughs> But it are, went are we sure? Are we sure this? Are we sure yeah. this collab is happening? And yeah, it was this just a, just a drunken hallucination, yeah, fever yeah. dream. <laughs> oh man, it felt like a fever dream, and I kind of, I felt like that ship had sailed, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck, man, I didn't chase it up. Maybe that was a passing thing. And then Sophie FaceTimed me um, last week, I think it was, and she's like, Danny, I miss you. Like, I've just moved back to Newcastle, and obviously I've moved back to Yorkshire. So it's like since then, like I miss all of our lot, and like. Nige really wants to do his collab with you. Uh, with you, he's been asking me like since we said about it that time, and I like, oh, we haven't said anything. I was like, so fucking hell, like I've been so reserved, not wanting to like ask you in case right, it was right. bugging you. But hearing that Nige wants to do it, it's like right, fucking. If we're serious about this, let's get it on. Let's book a date in where I go down to Newcastle. I go see Nige's archive, and then we right. pull some pieces. We realize what we want to do, and we go from there. So it's Fine. still in the so it's still in its infancy. Like, okay, this is going to happen, and it's going to be sick. But as far as like what it can be, you don't even you and Nige don't even know yet. Absolutely nothing yet. What would you boys want to see? 
I mean, his arc, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, like, what pieces of his gravitate to you? Is it the outerwear? Is it I like some? Something? I want some gigantic, like, military olive green trousers. The perfect fatigue. If you guys can yeah. design the perfect fatigue trouser, that's what I would want. Like the, and, and make it so that, because I think, like, like you and Warren were talking about, like, I think that um, when a kid maybe gets bored with streetwear or wants to evolve maybe into, like, more, like, confident, mature stuff, it really is like no one wants to go full fucking suiting and hashtag men's where you need that like interesting in between gray area. So I think that's where yeah. you have the most like space and, and especially with his archive and, and he's always been a fucking iconoclastic like anomaly. Right. So it's like, that's probably where you, I could see you at least having the most fun and also servicing the guys and girls that are like uh, fans of yours because of your style journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like, for me personally, Nige is very military-based. Like, he has a lot of military references, and I think it does tie in well with, like, the mod side of me, which is very Parker-side, like, Parker-swaying. Yeah. But also, like, for me, I kind of, I feel like there needs to be a phrase for something, like, sartorial lean. Mm. Like, (laughs) I want to kind of take it a bit thingy, like, have you, do you know what a siren suit is? No, what's that? So it's Winston Churchill used to wear them. It's basically like a, do you know what a romper is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically like a, a romp him. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's basically like a suit, but it's an all-in-one. So it's still very elegant. It's like a three button, but it's all as one. So it's just, it's, it's an all-in-one with a belt. Wow. And there's, there's a style of jacket. I can't think of the top of my head, but it's basically a field jacket with a belt. And it's really cool and elegant. And I think, I do obviously want to appeal to the masses, but I also want to appeal to like the people who want me to team up with Nigel Caborn and they want to see what I want to do. Sure. And I'm hoping that the audience is kind of like, you know what, don't panda to me. I want to see what Danny and Nigel do if it was just them two as the last people on earth. So I'd love to make a field jacket with a belt and I can't. Mm. Them. Do you but feel any also, pressure to deliver? I mean, obviously this is such early stages and we appreciate yeah, you uh, giving us the opportunity to kind of like break this news for all your friends. But yeah, do you feel pressure to like satisfy all these people that love and support you? Because James and I deal with this too, right? Like when we're, yeah. when we're collaborating on these- On a micro are, level. Yeah, on a much, on a much, much, I believe on like a, te- like a 10% of the level that you're <laughs> operating on. I think that's how the math works out there. But, you know, we want to design stuff for ourselves, but we all, and, and of course there's always the part of you that like wants to sell and like, you know, you know, reap the the benefits um, from a monetary standpoint. But like when it comes to something like this, are you just excited and and you're just going to do you? Do you feel the need to kind of like satiate the masses, your your fans rather? Like where's your head at right now? So in a genuine 100% honesty, it's not even trying to fucking pander to whatever. It's like, I genuinely don't care about how much it costs. Like I have, there's two sides and I think if we're making a collection, I definitely want to make a jacket that's affordable and stylish that I want to see everyone wearing. I want to see an everyman jacket, but then also the selfish side of me wants to release some fucking 3,000 pound technical top fabric. Every piece of design is like my grill jacket. And I know that maybe five people will buy them, but I still want to have that out there. If I'm going to do a collaboration with Nige, I'm not going to go fully to to the consumer. I want to do some things that everyone can attain, but I also want to do something that's for me where I can turn around and be like, that's my fucking ripstop, gnarly, huge, bad boy of a jacket that I will be able to scale Everest in. That's you putting your knob on the table and being like, I'm fucking here, baby. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, exactly. Because how how many other 23-year-old lads who used to work at a skate park 
can turn around and say, I made a fucking £3,000 jacket with the godfather of menswear. Go Not off, many, King. But, it, Go but off. If, you can, if you can find them, well, we'd love if you booked them for our podcast so you could help us get them. But, you know, <laughs> of I mean, course. I think it's just, you're, you're, in a, you're in a monarchy. Just go off, King. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> what else? So you're also, um, and this was really interesting, we were talking about this before because I think that Lawrence and I, we also are trying to um, figure out how to do uh, something that you're currently pursuing, which is like doing sponsored content and partnerships, but in an actually compelling original way where it's not just like, ever since I started using this skincare, like my fucking teeth have looked great, blah, 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 <laughs> hashtag ad. But you're doing like, you did a long an in-depth documentary with Clarks on like how you found your community up in the North where you do what you want. And um, yeah, just like how how do you think you can create original compelling spawn con? Well, we, we technically, so it's me and like a small team. And I think that's what makes it brilliant where it's not going through person to person to person to person to person to client. I think it's nice having a small team around that I work with that can go directly to client. And we kind of want to, we want to make content that the boys will want to make and I want to show off. So I don't mind investing more money. Like if a brand comes to us and says, here's some gear, take a fucking fit pick for two grand. We want to push back and be like, give us 10 grand and we'll make you the best fucking post that you'll be able to get. Cause we, we see through it. Like Instagram's fickle. We know that everyone does hashtag ads, but at the same time, it's like, it is a, a like a, a bag chase for everyone. But at the same time, you need to pick and choose it and really try and get this longevity, especially considering most people just know me for PAQ as a YouTube show. Therefore, it doesn't hold too much weight in reality. So I want to be able to show that like, I, I'm interested in fashion. It wasn't just like behind the scenes where we got a golden handshake and everything was done for us. Like, I want to be able to shine through and really like put our ideas to life. So with content, like, yeah, we just say to brands, this is what we want to do. And this is why we fucking want to do it. So shout out to Clarks. Like those boys are fucking, and girls, they're fucking incredible for really like letting us do a 10, 11 minute documentary. That was mainly about the Priory, the shop that basically right. made me. It's right. a wallaby film, but at the same time, we were allowed to mention the Priory more than we mentioned wallabies. It wasn't like uh, everything about it, but yeah, it was, it was what we wanted to do. And they kind of, they made a lot of people happy in Bridlington for letting us do that because that could have been really gammy and really sponsored ad and it would have just looked wrong and we would have wasted that opportunity to tell the story of the Priory and for them guys to really turn around and I know that like Clark's had a good relationship with the Priory but yeah, I love working with brands like that where if you find something cool and you approach me and I tell you what's cool and you let me do that, fucking you have my utmost respect and that's what we want to make. Danny, you mentioned something kind of like in passing that I just want to dig into real quick. Do you think that people underestimate you and see you as like, oh, this was like a pretty face on YouTube with good style? Like, do, do you feel that people maybe don't take you seriously uh, from the from the, the, the outset? He's too hot. I yeah, think, are, you, are you too pretty for your own good? <laughs> I think it's me being hard on myself where I'm not judgmental, but I want to look at it from every aspect. And I I wouldn't say I want to prove people wrong, but I want them to to kind of be engaged and not just think fucking hell he's got cheekbones. He gets everything handed to him. Like I want them to realize like I am actually in this for the long haul rather than just being like fucking yeah, grab a bag while I've still got fucking 
before my metabolism wears off and I'm fucking. Sure, right. Oh, it's going to get fat. It's going to wear off, baby. Grab grab a bag before you get fat. (laughs) Tombstone. Yeah, all this kind of shit. Like, I just feel like I want to kind of put stuff out there and kind of use it to my advantage while we're still on this like PAQ role. I want to be able to take that and show that it's not just like a one trick pony. Right. Because I suffer from mental anxiety as well. Like, it's fucking crazy. So, technically, I'm a presenter, but. I'm still shitting myself if I'm on a set with someone that I don't know. So I was always much more of a behind the scenes guy. And if you told me four or five years ago that you were going to be a YouTuber presenter, I'd have fucking laughed. I was signing kids into a skate park and scraping them off the floor when I heard them scream. Like (laughs) I was never meant to be in front of a camera. And then, yeah, I'm not going to lie, puberty did me all right. And it's uh, (laughs) It's it's kind of a puberty lottery, baby. There you go. And I think from that, you want to kind of capitalize. And like, I get that, like, it sounds fickle, but there will be some pretty privilege. But you need to back that up with substance. I don't want to just be seen as a YouTuber in the same way that people look at reality TV stars when they come out with a fucking bottle of whiskey. It's like, yeah, it's cool, but it's actually a shit whiskey. You're only buying it for the name. I want people to buy into my clothes because I fucking care about these things. Not because it's, oh, Danny from PAQ made clothing line. This is the closest thing we're going to get to PAQ merch. I want them to see this and be like, this is fucking sick. Do you think we, we are entering a time where uh, these more like unorthodox collabs, like instead of like brand X brand, like for example, we, uh, this podcast just did a loafer collaboration, right? And like YouTube presenter uh, does a documentary film with a brand. And like, do you think that there's going to be more opportunities as uh, partnerships maybe start to look a little more unorthodox and kind of like presenting or partnering up with like independent content or media creators? Yeah, I think everyone, uh, like even for me, if I love a brand and they just give it to some really like bit people for some hashtag ads, it kind of ruins the integrity of the brand. Whereas if I see a brand hand selecting people and letting them tell a story, it not only does it want me like, not only does it make me think, oh, that's sick, it makes me actively be like, I want to support this. And I think more and more brands are kind of catching on to that kind of thing where they realize that there's more substance in it and it's throwing money at influencers to post that isn't going to cut it anymore. They need to actually hone in on their market and their ethos. And it's like, that's where the future's going. It's like the whole fucking, we're in a post sneaker world now. As you put it so brilliantly, there's God a motherfucking like, right period, and I think everyone's kind of giving up on brands, not brands, but branding, like heavy branding, and just kind of, I've got cash, fucking, I'm wearing the most expensive, rarest shit, and people are now gravitating towards more like, that's not expensive, but you've got more fucking style than that person, yeah, well, not that person, but like than that group, yeah, yeah. Mm. So I fuck with you more, and I think that's what brand deals are kind of swaying towards now. Who who is your who's your dream brand to work with and, and what would you want to do with them? I mean, genuinely, it would be Fred Perry. I just mm. think my whole upbringing and my whole relationship with them and fashion, I think I'd love to do a Fred Perry collection down the line. I still don't feel like I'm mature enough for it yet. I feel like I'd love to like cement myself first and then come out with like a fucking bang. But Fred Perry would be a brilliant one where it's it's accessible. But also, they definitely, the, they're very versatile. They'll definitely stretch their boundaries to cater to the person that they're collaborating with. They won't just say, here's a polo, choose your right. fucking colorway, we'll call right. it a collab. Yeah. And I think that's kind of sick. So, Fred Perry would be number one. So, All right. Um, 
Well, Danny, I mean, look, the reason why we had you on is because like we knew we we knew that you're not just a pretty face. And we knew that you're not just like a big IG, uh, you know, guy. A that YouTube doesn't guy hurt, though. As that well, does that doesn't hurt. hurt. But like, <laughs> no, seriously, like the the the. the the depth of like this conversation, I think, is why I would put some fucking stock in you. But you know, to get superficial for a second, like you are, your star is on the rise when it comes to like superficial metrics. Like I googled your name, and your name came up ar- around like event attendees and shit. So I think like y- while you're superficially rising, you are getting these opportunities. Um, all the while, you are shaking babies and kissing hands and hobnobbing <laughs> with the rich and famous. I mean, like you are kind of entering this celebrity world. So, so what celebrities out there do you think actually have good style? Uh, number one, I'd say Blondie McCoy. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Blondie's Blondie. fantastic. Like, do you wear your socks uh, up to your uh, knees? Yeah. You know, sorry. Do you wear your socks up to your knees? Yeah. Uh, I actually did for the shoot, and I thought it's a fucking vibe. I don't have the knees to wear. Your worst physical quality are your knees, is what you're saying? Oh, man, yeah. So you'll, you'll catch me wearing long socks, you just won't see them. Got it. I think Blondie's got such a fucking sick style where people sometimes say, like, he's, like, fucking... He just looks like a private school boy. But it's like, yeah, but it's fucking sick. Isn't that what prep style's all about? You want to look like... Like the whole Ivy League style, you want to look like you go exactly. to... Um, what yeah. do you call them? The, uh, the types of school. Ivy League scoring. Yeah, the Ivy League schools. And it's like Blondie's kind of spearheading that movement. And I think a lot of brands are kind of clicking onto it. And I think, unless I'm just blind and I just really love Blondie and I think what he does is fantastic, I think that shifts there. And I think Blondie's definitely a really good person to kind of, if you were only going to look at one person, I think Blondie's a great person to look at. Sure. Fashion. I agree. I think what he's doing, and just like what you're talking about, about how you could like elevate SpawnCon and like use these brands to, to as the as a vessel through which to tell, or they're really using you, or you're using each other, I should say, to tell interesting stories, whether it's about like your hometown or whatever you have coming up. I think the way like Blondie is using IG Live to talk about mental health and have uh, honest conversations with his, with his audience is like really fascinating. What do you think of Thames? Like, do you like him as a designer? Do you think that's interesting? Or is that maybe not necessarily your steez? So um, Thames has really seemed to come into its own in the last few years. Because I remember uh, basically like the Supreme London store used to stock, is it Yard Sale? I think they stock Yard Sale. That's like, I don't know if it's a partner brand, but I think it's one of the guys who works there. So they're kind of like the printed shirts. And Palace always had Thames. Mm. So you'd see Thames printed shirts. And then recently he started to release like the earrings. Uh, he started to release like the TV pinky ring, or I don't know if it's a pinky ring or just a normal ring, but so I do that. He's done like the cardigans. It's a lot more cut and sew. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot more thought got into it. And it could definitely, it could be up there with the big boys who've been doing this kind of stuff for years. Sure. And, I mean, and yeah. coming from Palace, I mean, that's like an amazing blueprint, right? To kind of like see what, what Lev is doing. And yeah. you know, that's a, definitely a great, like a blueprint definitely to study, 100%. Yeah. And I think Palace have done the same where they've definitely reinvented themselves as they're a skate brand, but they're bigger than skating. They're high fashion. Right. And I think Blondie's kind of done that on his own in a different way and he's carved his own path. And I think now he's kind of reaping the rewards for it. Good on him. Also, going back, like this is kind of off topic. You know, like um, I've got one here, funny enough. You know, like fucking mohair cardigans and that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tell this might be spitballing. I think the person who started that off was Jacob Hetzer. Really? 
that was the first kind of Moher cardigan that I kind of saw, and he kind of heard that as his staple piece. Hmm. That's uh, that uh, Danny. That might be a hot take. That's but, a bit of a hot take, yeah. Danny. Um, without being a big things coming clown motherfucker, stay yeah. tuned, buddy. Yeah, St- watch this space. Yeah, there Ooh. might be a, a, a certain podcast that might have you know released boots and and loafers in collaboration with with the Commonwealth brands. with the Commonwealth country. Yeah, we we might uh we might be working on a mohair cardigan with uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, another but, brand from the Commonwealth. We'll see. Uh, I'm intrigued to hear if they ever do something like that. Um, a, a, a celeb that is really. Uh, liberally borrowed from kind of the UK fashion scene is Lawrence's simp god 3000 knob slob champagne poppy. Yeah. Um, Scorpion. Did Drake (laughs) out now? Did Drake has Drake created the perfect roadman uniform with his Nocta collection? Uh, I don't think it's the perfect roadman uniform as I think it's that whole Dr. Martin's kind of thing where solar bear can come in with premium materials mm-hmm. but i think drake's definitely got it for like the wannabe kind of in fact no that's harsh to wanksters say. i believe is the term wanksters is what you're talking about <laughs> kind of yeah it's it's the gap kind of roadmen mm. so, um i think it's cool what he's doing i think outerwear is definitely obviously on the rise and i think nike definitely needed a premium line sure would i have put drake there to spearhead it Maybe not from a clothing point, but from a marketing point, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he fucking puts it on his IG and it has yeah. as many followers as you do all of a sudden. But what do you what do you think about like that style becoming a global uniform? Um, obviously starting in the UK, like because you have these ambassadors, Drake, and who's Drake getting it from? Probably, you know, fucking big smoke skepta himself, right? Yeah. Who obviously is uh, you know, a huge kind of proponent of that vibe. What are what are your thoughts on that look kind of going global and losing some of that edge in the process that makes it so fascinating as a subculture? Is that something that that you think about or because I know you don't dress that way, but you are yeah. from the UK. Well, I think it's the silhouettes aren't anything new. It's still puffer jackets. It's still cozy kind of clothing, but you kind of elevate it. And obviously, if you know, you know, if you see Nocta on the street, you're not going to instantly think it's Drake without knowing that it's Drake's brand. Mm. But even like, what is that I've been wearing? I can't remember the name of the brand. But um, my flatmate's got a puffer jacket. And before I was like, I'm not really into like Nuxies usually. I would never have bought one. But to go and fucking pick up a Greg's or to go to the corner shop, whatever, I throw on like a puffer and it's like, you know what, man? I'd like a puffer that's kind of smarter. Mm. And I think they're just having the North Face. I think it's quite good to have something like Nocta where it's like, I suppose Prada and that lot do it. But sure. yeah, to have a high-end puffer jacket that still looks street, there's definitely a market for it. Absolutely. Arctrix, baby. Yeah. Arc, yeah. yeah, to some degree. Yeah. Um, another, another, another huge moment in the UK. The vaccine has touched down. The vaccine. Vaccine. The vaccine for carbonara virus. You heard of it. (laughs) Your lockdown is, or, or, you know, the end of lockdown is on the horizon, right? Um, We're a little bit, we're a little bit behind you guys. Like we just got our first fucking, and also like 80% of the U S isn't going to take the vaccine. Whatever. Yeah. That's a problem. That's Um, a separate problem. (laughs) So when, so when we come over, Right. When we get vaccine, we come over because the American experiment has failed. <laughs> Turns out we never should have left you guys. Please take yeah, us back. We blew it. We're fucking hitting the streets. Describe a night out with the lads. Perfect night out. So as in like post lockdown world or what were you scared to before? Post lockdown world, 
Jimmy and Larry coming across the pond. It's the fucking UK throwing fits tour to end all tours. What are we doing? What's the perfect yeah. night that we're doing? Holy shit, with, with you, with you. If you're hosting us. You're hosting us. Um, I don't know how much it equates to, but we pay two pounds for a pint. So I'd be like, what, $4.50 maybe? I like that. Yes. How warm is that shit? And that shit is like completely room temperature, yeah? Oh man, what I drink is room temperature. <laughs> what's your, what's your, what's your yeah. poison of choice? I drink John Okay, it, It's not good to admit it's very fucking like, it's a bit shit. I'm not right. into craft girls and that. I've always gone for a Smith's. It's basically like a Guinness, I guess. It's like a lighter okay. Guinness. But um, yeah, if you're coming with me, we're going straight to fucking Star Inn in Driffield. We've got a five pound note in our pockets. We're going to spend two pound on that, on getting a pint of John Smith. You're okay. going to put two pound into the jukebox and get nine songs. And you're going to put two 50 P's into that pool table. And you're going to have two games of pool. Oh, I love that. that. Five pound note done. And so, you really repeat that until you're absolutely blathered. You head over to the book and you get on karaoke, boys. Yeah, that okay. is so nice. Hell yeah. Well, what's your, what's your, yeah, what's your, your go-to, go-to karaoke song? Yeah, your jam. Mine's Park Life by Blur. <laughs> okay. Wait, so are you, uh, so in the, in the, the greatest kind of struggle of all time, Blur versus Oasis, you're a Blur guy. Blur I boy. am not. I am, I am, I was in Oasis's top 1%, top 0. Okay. <laughs> which is, I love all types of music and people say Oasis is very surface level, but to me, I fucking adore them. I think they're in the same way that the Beatles are so simple, but brilliant. I think there's an Oasis song for every mood. Like me, myself, my heart lies in Northern Soul. I have a Northern Soul tattoo. Uh, it lies in Motown. It lies in soul, reggae, all like 80s English subcultury kind of music. Right. But Oasis will always have a place in my heart where I remember listening to uh, What's the Story, Morning Glory. That was the CD that my mum used to have in her car. And even now, like, you go through a stage where I used to listen to that my mum growing up. Then at school, only the cool kids who wore Harrington's used to fucking blast mm. out Oasis. And it became kind of cliche and cringy to listen to Oasis because it became too cliche. It got co-opted by the jocks and barracuda jackets is what you're exactly, saying. Exactly, yeah. And then afterwards, when you go back and you're like, you know what? This is just fucking fantastic music where it's not cheesy. It's just well-known. And you kind of realize that. It's like, if you walk into a pub and everyone's hammered and someone plays <laughs> Don't Look Back in Anger, tell yeah. me you don't have a smile on your face with your arm around everyone fucking belting it. And they have, I, yeah. By the way, when, when, we're, when we're at uh, the, the first pub, pre-karaoke, yeah. Um, yeah. can we please do... Uh, I don't know if you've seen the TikTok, but uh, the Soundgarden song, right? Oh, truly, madly deeply. Oh. Yes, yes. Yeah, please, yeah. all the fellas, the all lad the at the lads. dartboard. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, there's a fantastic. It's a Puma advert. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, yes. That's where it's from. Puma. Yeah. I'll be y'all everything. Yeah, Puma. <laughs> famous, famous, famously for Puma is how. Yeah. Got it. Yes. No, All right, Danny, let's, uh, let's, let's stop talking about ourselves. Uh, let's move on to the second topic of the podcast. We talked about Jimmy and Larry for an hour and 20 now. Uh, yep. let's, let's talk about, um, uh, money. Yep. Ka-ching. Right. Everyone's it's the only color that matters. Green baby. Um, yeah. look, I don't know how salary transparency has transpired over in the UK over here in progressive America. We actually are much more forthcoming, which how much we make. Um, our Patreon numbers are public. How much money do you make? Not as much as I did with PAQ. Really? Mm. You've taken a little pay cut. Well, essentially, we had uh, a whole team who were working on brand deals. So we get a cut of that. We get a a wage. 
and like yeah we get a wage and then we get bonuses from brand deals but well, your, man- now- your manager jordan is uh on the on the zoom right now he's on yeah. he's on mute um and he's probably asleep but uh is he does he need to like start you know texting me frantically saying shut the fuck up <laughs> no, does he need to start fucking you know asking for more money i mean how much do you charge for a fit pick I genuinely don't know. It depends on the brand. It depends on what we're doing. And it depends on the concept of it. Wow. Because there's some brands where I'd probably drop my rate to work with them. Really? Like the Fred Perry's of the world? Yeah. Like it's... Well, they, they, I mean, brand. they got deep pockets. <laughs> like I think an interesting story about Fred as well. Like this is before influencers. And I still don't think they do it unless it's campaign. But Fred Perry, uh, Fred Perry famously never paid anyone to wear their clothes. Wow. So you see people like... Fucking what? Kate Moss, Pete Doherty, Damon Alban, Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse. None of these people got paid to wear Fred Perry. And I think that's why it holds so much weight. Sure. And I think something about that's so fucking cool. Where it's same as like Celine. Right. If you're gonna do like a fucking is it Celine? Who's one just yeah, Celine, isn't it? Or the, the TikTok, the TikTok brand. I feel like Celine pays people though now. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you get asked to do that, you just want the iconic. You just want to, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. that's the whole thing, where it's or like, like do it like you doing Gucci. Like, is that just sick? I mean, obviously, oh, you want to get paid yeah. for your time, but it's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a bonus. It's yeah. like some of these things are CV builders, and some of them are to keep the lights on. You just kind of got to decipher which you want to swear towards and how much it's worth. For and sure, if it's social suicide. You obviously don't take it, no matter how much the money is. Right, it's always like, a conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. How how much money when it's all said and done? Where would you like to top out at? Like, how much money would you like to eventually one day make? I'd love to earn enough money that the interest will carry over and let me live. And just do like, your, and just what like tinker on your cars and cop more fits. Yeah, most likely to be fair. But to be fair, like in my hometown, you could get a, there was a 14 bedroom mansion with what? nine acres of land and it cost 850,000 pounds. Say less, dude. Let's go halvesies. <laughs> you know what right I mean? there. Like, yeah. So I don't ever, I'm not one of those people who turn around and be like, fucking, I want 500 million because I don't know yeah. what I fucking spend it on. Like, right. Well, well I mean, that's like, that's, that's eight. The- that's eight billion John Smiths, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> roughly. Well, so so when it comes to you've talked about, you talked about clothes, we've talked about cars, we've talked about pints, the jukebox. What are you spending? What, is there anything that we missed that you like to spend your money on? Maybe it's like eating out at oh, nice man. restaurants or going to the movies when you could. You know what, so, what's, what's left? The last thing I actually bought was a fucking B day seat. I just in my bathroom redone. I got a B day seat, like the fucking Asian. like this. It sprays your butt. Yeah, man. A bidet. Bidet. Yeah. Yeah. That was the last thing that like, I fucking... I that was the last John. <laughs> yeah, man. I just fucking spend shit on like... How clean is your ass right now? Yeah. Wait, do you travel Do you travel with a bidet or do you like miss it? Is it at home? Look, it's not a potty. <laughs> <laughs> it's attached to me too. It's plumbed in. But um, no, like I spend my money on records. I spend it on fucking my vinyl player. I just buy like random upgrades. My car was a big one. Like I had a Miata, you guys call it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. A, yeah. A Mazda Miata, sure. Oh man, it was. It's like a three grand car. I just spent fifteen hundred quid on a spray uh, spray job for it, and then it keeps breaking down because they are indestructible, but it's technically thirty years old. So sure. every time you drive it, something else needs to be replaced. How many miles are on the Miata? Oh man, mine's got one hundred forty thousand miles. <laughs> I only bought it in fucking May as well. Not that right. I put one hundred forty thousand on myself, but I mean sure. like fucking. What's, so, um, what's the dream whip? What's like the, if, uh, and, and it, feel free to get as crazy as, or how, you know, specific as possible, but what is the dream ride? 
Oh, maybe a Datsun 270Z. Okay. Pretty fucking sick. But I'm literally, um, we're recording this on Tuesday and on Friday, so in three days' time, I'm picking up a Honda S2000. Okay. Basically, <laughs> fucking Rich Man's Miata. And I'm yeah. fucking stoked. So, it's the most money I've ever spent on a car and it's like nine grand. Right. Are you um, going to keep the Miata? Are you going to just like create a fleet or is the Miata going to go to a, going to go on the chopping block or what's the plan? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing like, uh, I'm buying the S2000 off one friend and selling my MX-5 to another friend because I, I love tinkering with my car, but if something goes wrong, I can't just like, I can't just like thingy it and fix it. I can't just see what it is and fix it. Um, so it's saving like parts and labor. Like I'm, I'm selling it to my mate who knows his way around cars mechanically. So I'm like, you know what, mate? You can have the fucking MX-5. You can tinker with it and you can fix it. And it's all yours, man. I'll have the S2000 and hopefully never have to worry about breaking down again till I fucking wrap it around a tree on VTech. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I'm fucking... That's what I'm spending my money on at the moment. Respect. Oh. You're a gearhead. Right. Respect. Let's move into what the... Uh... You, What's your favorite car? What would you have when it was old? <laughs> I don't really drive. I don't yeah, really like give a, a fuck. Like a, I, I, I love like a station wagon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, I don't know, like a, a, a Panamera would be cool. I like the four door look, you know, personally. But I just want a hybrid station wagon. Solid. Sixty yeah. miles to the sixty nine miles to the gallon. We're si- we're simple men, you know, Porsches and saving the environment. You yeah, know what I'm saying. There you That's go. Cool. Yeah. All right, let's talk about uh, third and final topic. Oh, yeah. Fits the only podcast that matters. Um, U.S. It's called Meats and Cheeks here in the U.K. Bangers and mash, baby. Danny, I gotta ask you: Are you a pimp? <laughs> not officially not in the eyes of the tax man okay. what is, so what were people saying when they left that in the comments were they being like are you like, like meme like that this meme. motherfucker's uh, a pimp or it's like this guy dresses like he's like a pimp from the 70s yeah, yeah. Is it literal uh, the whole thing was it was when gucci did the uh oh what's the name of it the one with the fur around it completely escaped me the fucking the, the mule with the fur around the back. Oh, of the, 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 oh, the, the Prince the Prince Town loafer. Yeah, the Prince Town. So basically, we did a custom kicks episode where we each got a uh, an iconic silhouette. So Shaq got a Stan Smith. Uh, Elias got a pair of uh, Air Force Ones. Dex got a pair of Converse, and I got a pair of Van Slip Ons. And basically, um, do you want me to stop while Larry's gone? Oh, keep going. <laughs> Larry's fucked up. Um, and then basically, um, I took the van slip on, cut the back off it. Well, uh, Hoxton Taylor's did, or Cobblers. And then they put the fur around it. And then Dexter, in his face to cam, or piece to cam, as it's officially called, turned around. And he's like, Danny put fur on a pair of vans. Danny is a pimp. <laughs> and from that, the fucking comments started rolling in. And every episode, it kind of came on. And then it became like this running joke where it became Danny's a pimp. And then I started wearing silk scarves again and everything. And I don't help myself. Like fucking granted. Lean into it. Like an old man. So, uh, similarly, I ha- similarly, I have acquired the nickname Horny Jimmy, which is something I can't seem to escape. Uh, my phone lit up and, you know, with comments on these loafers and it's like Horny Jimmy in a bathrobe. Like he definitely exposed himself at the cloisters. I'm like, yo, can I, can you please stop calling me Horny Jimmy? Like I'm trying to fucking find wifey out here. It's like you know? Chappelle. Can you can you stop calling me a bitch in front of my kids, please? Like, goddamn. <laughs> um, but this, I despite, mean, Horny Jimmy's a bit a bit more difficult to shake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I can't even shorten it to HJ because it's just like, yo, old, old hand job over here. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, yeah, that's, your cross, that's your cross to bear, dude. That's your horny ass cross to bear. Speaking of hand jobs and exclusively hand jobs, <laughs> why were you a virgin for so long, bro? Yeah, what happened there, bro? Oh, oh you won puberty's lottery. What the fuck? Because puberty's lottery still came in fucking late. Like I was the ugly duckling at school where my cousin was the fucking alpha. He was like the the sports guy. He was the fucking handsome lad. He had the muscles. I was that fucking weedy scrawny kid that used to go shopping on his own. <laughs> and then, yeah, I just never had confidence with girls. Like for years, I was always just like the shoulder to cry when Harry fucked him up. And then I just kind of took that. And then through PAQ, I started to get more and more like kind of noticed and whatever, but I still felt like it didn't feel real. So it took me ages. And then, yeah, man, that's kind of how it happened, I guess. Not it was, was, a, confident, was it a confidence really, thing? It's like literally yeah, just building something. confidence? Definitely, yeah. And I think... Not in an awful way, but it is that whole thing where once you've done it once, it's kind of like, oh, shit, what was I so scared about? <laughs> yeah. Like, it genuinely That's- was kind of like, oh, fuck, man. Like, not why did I wait so long? But it's like I had opportunities, but I was like, no, nah, man, it wasn't even fucking, I'm not religious myself. It wasn't like a fucking safe marriage. It wasn't for any, it was just more fucking anxiety. I was like, what if I'm shit? I'm too old <laughs> to be shit at this. Like, everyone's been fucking, what? like, everyone's been fucking since you were 15, 14, whatever. And I'm there at 19 being like, what if I'm shit, man? I'm doing PAQ and what if I'm shit? This right, is right, right. a 40 year old virgin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a much more attractive, much more better dressed Steve Carell. Yeah. There we go. But yeah, it's, it's well and truly broken now. And, yeah, <laughs> Congratulations on the sex, by the way. Confirmed <laughs> sex. Yeah. What was the, the pack groupie situation, if you don't mind me asking? Because like, me and Lawrence were on the brink of fame here. And for me, I'm like, is it worth it? So like, is it worth it? Uh, so we actually, we released nine episodes and episode 10 was our first pop-up store and we designed our own t-shirts. It was as PAQ always was, it was competition where we designed a t-shirt each. We had 50 of them to sell. We opened up a pop-up store and whoever sold the most wins. Um, and we opened the store at 10. We were expecting to like, hopefully keep a steady crowd. We got there and people have been queuing since eight in the morning after only nine prior episodes. Wow. And we had loads of people there. And I think that's when it first set in where it originally felt like the guys at Kyra were going up to random kids on the street being like, here's a tenor. Can you go up to that kid over there and be like, fucking hell, I love your show. Can I take a <laughs> selfie and fuck it up? It was only after it came so fast, we were like, holy shit, this is real. Like, these aren't just numbers on a screen. Like, these are real fucking people. These are real kids who've made a trip out to come and see us. So that was like the first kind of hint of it. And then, yeah, it was a lot of like, I was it mainly guys? Was it mainly like dude? Because that's the thing too with me and James, right? We do a podcast about the you know the male millennials zeitgeist. The majority yeah. of the audience are like young men. I'm assuming it was the same thing with PAQ. It's a good mix where I think a lot of young lads kind of don't want to admit to liking a YouTube show to come up to someone. Whereas a lot of girls are kind of like, not quite swooning, but they're like, <laughs> they're right. more likely to kind of come up to you. So it was a very right. even match. And like, I was surprised oh, nice. at the demographic where we used to have everyone from young kids, like 13, who just bought the first Stussy t-shirt, like from size or something like that, to like married couples, to like old people being like, yeah, man. Like we had such a, a vast audience that it was brilliant. It was like our little community and it was fucking sound. And then I remember when we did the Christmas pop-up the first time, we did it in Tank Magazine's uh, office, which is just around the corner from BBC's headquarters. And we had a thousand people in the queue before Jesus. we opened. 
to the point where the, some guys from BBC came out and like, what the fuck's going on here? We're like, we're a fucking YouTube show that are doing like a little Christmas pop-up. Swing on by. And they were like, we've never seen shit like this before. Crazy. Mad. And, and I mean, now, like, let's talk about right now. Like, are you, I don't know if you're like, uh, are you too famous to be on the dating apps? And, and do, you, do you subscribe to my a belief I believe in, which is that the best dating app is Instagram? Yeah, I'm a bit, I'm kind of, not old school, but I, I've always kind of met lasses. I suppose my ex, like she DM'd me, but at the same time, <laughs> it's always from drunk nights out where you kind of meet someone like. Right. You follow up, you like, follow up. Yeah. It's like, I'll go out with like, I call them the Fred Perry lot because they kind of are. It's like uh, the guys who work in the London office, our Cairo office was close to the Fred Perry HQ. and then. Um, they knew that I was a huge fan. So like they'd invite me to the archive. I'd get along with them and then we'd all go for pints like at the same pub near the office. And then there's a girl called Ali who is the PR who's like my age. And then I'd go drinking with her and then she'd bring her mates mm. and they're all into, if you're into Fred Perry, you're, you're into like the same kind of... Sure. Like music and film and... Yeah. yeah. So it's like a little... Culture. Like, yeah. Uh, we go to like gigs and that, get hammered, you'd hook up and then you'd be like, It'd be awkward. You'd see them again. It's like, oh shit, like you're cool as fuck. And then you do like house parties and it'd be like a little like fling thing. Like I've never really used dating apps purely because I always think it's a setup where like someone's just going to be either catfishing or whatever. I just think it's right. too much of a risk and it's just kind of like, oh, if you've gone too far without meeting someone and they turn out to be a fucking weirdo in person, right? it's too far gone. I'd rather just avoid it altogether. Right. So I enjoy going on nights out and then no pressure and then just being like, every hookup, they you come pre they come pre vetted because they're homies with the homies. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just, right. To, just to put a quick little bow on this. So for you, it was things were maybe dicey there for a bit, but for the most part, you're doing quite well for yourself now. That's the moral of the story. Danny, yeah, I'd like to say so. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, Danny. Uh, let's play a quick little game. Last John, next John. Besides the bidet, we want to know what was the last John you copped whether it's to do with ass cleanliness or not, up to you. And then what's the next John you're going to cop that you got your eye on? It seems like you already have something, oh, yeah. He's already something lined out of up a right here. Yeah. It's what another silk scarf. <laughs> another oh, silk, silk scarf. scarf. What brand? Uh, this is Sherry's London. And if mm. you guys come to London, you need to visit Sherry's and get a silk scarf from them. Absolutely. I think Done. I counted. I have 24 of them at least. Wow. Um, I basically bought one on Friday when I came down for a fitting for Drake's. And then I've just been there after I finished day one of shooting. I've got tomorrow to do as well. Have, have um, these become kind of like your signature little uh, accessory? It's weird, man, because like, I actually don't wear them as often as I think. I'll buy <laughs> them as like, it's become more of a tradition where if I go to Soho, I'll swing by Sherry's, I'll have a chat with the owners because it's like a family that runs it and they're fucking lovely. Um, so I'll always pick up a scarf from them anywhere. You're supporting the homies. You're supporting the homies. homies. Exactly. So yeah, it's always a scarf, but I actually don't know what my next serious pickup will be because at the moment I want to pay for a car. I need to still pay right. for my bathroom being redone, uh, vinyls. I still need fucking Christmas presents. Mm. So Ooh, it's just that. little shit like, yeah, like little silk scarves and that. So nothing's really, no, no grail or whatever is on your radar as far as like, hey, this is going to be the next thing. It's going to just come to you when it comes to you. I mean, I think Burberry has some incredible loafers. Burberry, go, Burberry kind of bridged the gap of being fucking wacky, but still, what was it that um, your guy says? It's from the from the bodega to the boardroom. 
Yeah. Burberry are the perfect kind of, um, the perfect brand for that, where it's like, it's cool as fuck, but it's also right. kind of sartorial enough to get away with wearing with a suit. You fuck so with Tishi? Because I feel yeah, like, like Tishi's Burberry is, is, I think it's having mixed results. Like they did that triple shirt which is fucking trash. Yeah. They did the shirt with the titties cut out that got yeah. memed really hard. But what you're saying is that, that the loafers people should maybe give yeah. a second look to. Yeah. They have a really nice pair of wine and like a, a really vibrant, like a vibrant red, but it's like a maroon, but bright. Uh, like have you ever seen a cricket ball when it's being scratched? It's like caught. No, no we're from uh, America. So like no, a, not at all. It's like it's a, a baseball maroon. And then okay. when you feel it back, it's, it's almost like if you've got red suede, the yeah. opposite side's like a pinky. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's like, it's like a, an oxblood kind of loafer with that pinky kind of tassel. And mm-hmm. it looks incredible. And I think I wore it in one of the episodes. I can't remember which one it is. But they're incredible. But yeah, man, I'm not even kidding. Since I got that Prada jacket, that was my all-time grail. Sure. And I, I can't just buy it and move on like I used to be able to. I'm, I bought that and I've actually, I shouldn't do because I still haven't treated it with waterproofing or anything. But I wear that <laughs> all the fucking time. Mm. And it's like, you know what? This is my jacket at the moment. Like, until something happens to that, I don't feel like I'll pick up another fucking sitcom. Well, you are a decisive man of decisive action, and uh, which is kind of what makes you um, a taste lord, which is you're so like laser focused and surgical. He likes what he likes. He knows what he and likes. And we, we want to uh, we want to play a little segment with you. Fuck with not fuck with. Go for it. So. Uh, Warm. Working title. Working title. Uh, so, so working I was on parched. Title. Yeah. Um, yeah. You had a sippy cup. Uh, we're going to throw some categories at you real quick. Just breeze through. Tell us what you're fucking with, what you're not fucking with. Obviously, Dries first up, we're going to go with sneakers. What sneakers yeah. are you fucking with right but now? But also Dries Van Noen. <laughs> oh, just, just you're fucking with Dries. He's fucking with right, Dries. Um, <laughs> sneakers, Adidas, always. Really? Uh, what is it? Stripes over checks. Yeah, 100%. Where uh, I'm Gazelle, Samba, what yeah. are we talking? Okay. Spezial especially as well. Oh, yeah, like, Spezial. It's sure. very like casual. It's very football oriented. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. Although I do think they churn out too many colorways, Adidas will always be the top. Okay. And I think it's Wales Bonner. Is it Wales Bonner? That did yeah, Wales Bonner just did the, the uh, maybe the best Adidas collaboration. Yeah. And I say that as somebody whose close personal celebrity friend, Jonah Hill, just also did an Adidas yeah. collaboration. But the Wales Bonner shit was, I mean, that's just Wales Bonner for you, right? Like that yeah. brand is just it's so tasteful. And amazing. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. So yeah, 100%. Uh, any sneakers you're not fucking with? Like, yeah. Yes. Fucking, I don't mean to go at them, but what? No, please. Nike's fucking variations of Air Force Ones. Like, what is it? Is it called a deconstruct? They've just called it. It's like with yeah. all the, the syllables missing. They're just fucking, it's like those com ones where they added the rubber shite on the end of it. Right. They just make too many of those. Like, even the acronyms with the zips, they were the cool original ones. But since right. then, you just think, let's get a fucking Air Force Ones that everyone wants to buy and let's turn them into something that no one wants to buy and make fucking tons of them. Well, I think it, this is... A- a criticism that people have, not just with sneaker, the sneaker kind of space in general, but particularly with Nike and then Jordan brand, it's like collaboration apocalypse. Like it's just yeah. so much like as a, instead of, and not that Nike isn't designing um, new silhouettes and, and, and doing interesting things in like, you know, sustainability and things like that. But yeah, I think that it is just a point and maybe you agree. There's just too many collaborations at this point. Massively. Well, collaborations are one thing, but it's when Nike themselves just release variations that no one mm. has. And I think that's, but it is the same with Adidas. It's fucking like, oh, you, you all queued up for this, this navy sneaker. 
let's make the exact same one in a darker blue, in an indigo. Right. And it's like, fucking why, man? You've cheapened the ones that other people had, right. and now it's just flooding it with shit. Yeah. Respect it's, it's It's creating an artificial need to yeah. cop. Yeah. That's what it is. Exactly. What about, uh, do, you have a, do you have a Mount Rushmore of sneakers? Like if you, oh, Mount Rushmore is this racist thing here in the U.S. where we stole the a bunch of land from the Native Amer- indigenous yeah. peoples and put four presidents up there. But if you had yeah. to pick four sneakers of all time, time your all-time top four, unranked, unranked, what are they? I mean, if, if I don't have to wear them, I think <laughs> the ones that kind of put me into high fashion completely were the Oswegos. Hmm. Oswegos have always been my favorite. The, Ra- it, the Raph Simmons ones. Yes. And it was my first ever pair of high-end trainers would have been the Ralph Simmons Response Trail 2s. Mm. Um, so I got those. They looked fucking awful on me because I've only got skinny legs. But I also <laughs> bought the JS Bears, the uh, Jeremy Scott Flower Power Bears. Oh, wow. Lime green with the teddy bears <laughs> on them yeah. because they're like 300 quid. I think our Adidas, um, like, what's it called? Like a, an outlet store. You had them for 30 quid because no one wanted to buy them. They had one pair left in a battered box and I've still got them. That's almost the price of a Fred Perry Navy V-neck. You know what I'm saying? That's a fucking steal. Come on, mum. Get me these fucking Jedward shoes. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, But yeah, so basically, Oswego's, JS Flower Powers, just because of my connection to them. Even speaking of Oswego's, like, that was such a thing for me. Like, we used to travel down to London to go to Selfridges and... Harrods and shit like that. So we could hold a pair of Oswegos in our hands, like me and my friend Azza. We used to go there just so we could feel them in real life and see the quality on them. And we were fucking like, one day we're going to wear one of these. <laughs> and it's mental. Um, number three, um, I'm not a Jordans guy, but the Lance Mountain Jordans, the ones where they rub off. I've always- oh, yeah, the, Jordan, the Lance Mountain Jordan ones that are the, the different, the mismatched. Yeah, those are sick. Yeah, definitely. And then finally, it's got to be a special. It's got to be like a, it's like the Gazelle, but it's uh, it's like a Gazelle Samba kind of hybrid. Just the Spezials. I think they're just a solid, nice shoe. Or like Trim Stars. Trim Stars are fantastic as well. So that'd be me for all. Right, what, about, uh, what about music? What music are you fucking with now, Danny? Yeah. You mentioned a bunch of Britpop already, but feel free yeah. to rifle yeah. off whatever. Massive Motown fan. Massive Northern Soul fan. I have KTF tattooed on my forearm for Keep the Faith. Mm. Um, mod, obviously. But I am also partial to some absolute fucking shitpost tunes as well. Like, it can go for anything. Like, I love drum and bass, liquid, garage. Garage. Acid house, I'm huge on. All this kind of shit. Like, how many records do you own? You mentioned your vinyl, uh, your proclivity to cop vinyl. How many, like, would you say records do you own? So, uh, I. I don't know what the phrase would be. I've fucking not inherited because my mum's still alive, but I basically nicked all of mum's vinyls from her house because when I was younger, uh, me and her used to sit and listen to them when I was like three. So they're still like 1999 by Prince. It's mm-hmm. mum's record from the 80s and in really fucking awful handwriting. It's Dan's record. <laughs> on it. I've just fucking claimed ownership of that. Sure. So it's stuff like that where I've got all mum's records, which is probably about 300, I'd like to say. And then ones that I've actually bought, I've probably only really bought about 15 so far because <laughs> I, um, I only got my vinyl player in September. Mm. I, I splashed out like a grand on the setup by accident. A Mac, like, is it Macintosh or what is the... Uh... It's, the it's an Audio Technica LP120. So that's like 200 quid. I spent more on the needle than I did on the cartridge than I did on the actual player. And then I spent 500 quid on the speakers. 
Nice. So audio, what is it? Audio engine. They're fucking sick. Fire. Um, so I bought those and I remember I replaced the needle on mine didn't come with a cartridge. So I bought it for fucking more than I bought the player for. And I remember you have to use a, a vinyl protractor to get the tracking of the needle correct. Mm-hmm. And I put it down and the first tune I listened to was, um, it will have been Time is on My Side by the Rolling Stones because I had the Stones album just on its test. And when that first came in, it's like a fucking wall of sound around you, like a bubble. Sure. And since then I've been hooked. Right, right, right. So it's, like a, it's like a, not that music isn't like, obviously you've loved music your whole life, but, but yeah. this idea of creating like a vinyl collection, that's something yeah. that's a new hobby for sure. Like I always just thought people who bang on about vinyls and fucking records, it was just kind of wanky and people just saying it for the sake of it. But when you kind of hone your setup and you yeah. can kind of tinker around with it and you get that sound, you can't replicate that. And it's fucking no. so sick. So, um, yeah, I've just thought of myself one of my favorite albums, which is Ogden's Nutflake by The Small Faces. Okay. That is a fantastic record if you boys are into that. Maybe you won't. I was going to say, do you listen it. to any new music at all? Loads. Do you listen to rap? Yeah, do you um, listen to any hip-hop? <laughs> like, Parsaloo. Do you know Parsaloo? No. He's fucking no. sick. You guys need to get on Parsaloo. Like, he's incredible. Is he, is he uh, a grime? Is that a grime guy? Uh, yeah, it's kind of... Yeah, it's not quite... I don't know what to call it. It's just like, it's dark, but it's not quite grime. I suppose it is. But um, I think yeah, Walter like, Pierce... I think he was the outro music for Walter Pierce's episode. I think Walter... I, th- I think this guy put some shit out uh, recently, right? And then I was trying to listen... I think sh- what, what, this is something that like Chef is into. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair. So, yeah. These fucking sit, but like, um, I'm an old school, like, I have loved grime. As a fucking middle-class white kid, of course, every fucking one of us loves grime right. in the last fucking three years. But I've loved it for like 10 years by accident. And when it got the resurgence, like, it's sick. And I think now it's kind of getting back and it's, yeah, I think we're getting a nice subgenre from the OG grime where we're not going to get the original like Risky Road stairs back. Sure. But it's going in a nice direction. Is there any music out right now that you're, or out right now? Yeah, let's talk about out right now that you're not fucking with. Yeah, that you think uh, overrated or overhyped or... I don't know. I wouldn't really stick Drake on myself, but I like his tunes. And like, I was, I've been a huge Travis Scott fan for fucking years. Like, uh, I remember when he dropped um, Quintana, the video. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching that. That was at the same time as like Uzi. So Gabe, that GAB3. I think we were yeah, on yeah, 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 yeah. So like Gabe, when he released like Money, was at the same time as Travis released um, it was Alfaro and Days Before Rodeo. So they were fucking huge. Theophilus London dropped vibes at the same time. This was when I was like, this was my like peak of new music where I used to like yeah. wait for that shit. This is like, right. a, this was a very specific like scene also like music within like a certain fashion scene. Like I know exactly oh. that you discover from Instagram or whatever. I mean, James and I were working at complex at the time and like definitely like too old maybe to be into it ourselves, but we cover, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's like yeah. such a snapshot of 2014. Yeah. That's Something when like I was like hoping to feel as we goes in real life. Yeah. That was the whole thing where you see like Luca, you'd see fucking like ass pizza, father Steve. Sure. Like, right. You know, all this kind of shit. Like they were the guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that kind of shit. And I'll still right. always love that kind of stuff. And just because like I listen to a lot of old stuff doesn't mean that you won't catch me fucking absolutely buzzing to Lil Uzi and shit. Sure. <laughs> You, Man, you, like, you and us both, brother. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Oh, come on. Yeah. All right, let's get into uh, the cinematic experience. Yeah. The visual. What 
film and TV are you fucking with right now? I'm absolutely awful. I think Luke Mook, I never realized it was Luke Mook. I always called him Luke Mook. Um, <laughs> Luke Mook described it perfectly where I never really watch it. I just have mindless shit on in the background. Right. Okay. So I watched three episodes of The Queen's Gambit, loved it, but I just haven't picked it up since. I might right. watch it tonight again, to be fair, but yeah, I'm a bit useless for following storylines where I kind of don't get into them and I'm kind of not invested straight away. And if I lose, if I get the ick, I'm kind of out of it. Are you, you like on with, your, are, are you, you playing, playing on your phone? Oh, sorry. Are you fucking yeah. with industry at all? What's that? Well, it's a that? BBC HBO collaboration joint, where, joint uh, it, yeah, it's about, um, the finance industry in London, but I guess about, it's about young eye bankers in London and kind of like you fucking know, and doing ket. Yeah. It rocks. Is it like yuppies? Like nowadays? Yuppies yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I'd be kind of interested. Like, yeah. no, it's phenomenal, dude. It's absolutely yeah, smashing. Yeah. So you, so you're on the couch, you have something on, you're like playing on your phone. You're, you're, you're on IG, whatever. Like you're not necessarily, you don't tap into, you know, film yeah, and television. Play Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> or, or there you go or gaming you get you you play a lot of video games you mentioned right yeah yeah I, it's that whole thing again where it's like i'm not invested i'm not like fucking esports that kind of shit i just no, have sure. to game, like do you have a ps5 or whatever the new xbox is or no but if any scalpers want to hit me up with a good price then fucking i'm your man like you heard, you heard it here buy first. with a good price i mean fucking retail nothing over but you gotta start twitching yeah, with I'll, our boy chuck oh yeah we gotta get you on twitch dog oh yeah maybe all right, Danny, before we kick you out of here, I know you're a busy guy. You got uh, scarves to cop and beggars and mash to eat. Um, Lawrence and I, like, we are new fans of yours, but I think that it's safe to say that we're, like, genuinely, like, we want to be homies for life with you, right? Oh, that being said, we know that, we know that you're kind of setting out um, on your own path now, and it's, it's, like, a really exciting time filled with endless opportunities, uh, and we want to see you really thrive and succeed. So... If we may, as like grizzled vets who no longer have the cheekbones of a hot 23-year-old Gucci model. Or never had them to begin with, to be honest. <laughs> that too. Uh, we just want to offer up some, some outsider perspective, some constructive criticism. Take it or leave it. Yes. Uh, we highly suggest you take it. We know what we're doing. We uh, fucking have a podcast. Um, <laughs> first up, we dropped the Blackstock and Weber X throwing fits, the only loafers that matter. Please ignore the typo in the original uh, promo tweet. Um, Look, we got collabs up the fucking wazoo. We love doing these things. We love making product that, you know, we want to wear and put on the backs of our fans and everyone around the world. Uh, Model our next collab, bro. Yeah. Oh, but with that, but with that friends and family discount. Yeah. Will you do it for free? Do it for a free pair of loafers though. I was going to say, what's your budget? Yeah, uh, no, one free cardigan. There's no budget, I don't think. Yeah, we, oh, you know, man, honestly, no. when the when the when the maybe potential mohair cardigan that we're working on comes out, who knows? Maybe we could, uh, maybe we could, like, I don't know, throw you a couple quid, put a put a mohair cardigan on your back. We'll figure it out. No, we'll, we'll fund we'll, for a giant jukebox and pull yes, exactly. In by. exactly. We'll fund one night out. <laughs> Yeah, which honestly, with the way that James and I party, that is honestly probably more than your day rate, to be totally frank. So, <laughs> you know, there's that. Um, all right. That was a good piece of advice from James. I love that. Um, okay, here's one. Have you thought about uh, auditioning and going on Love Island? You know what? I kind of have because I feel so I can cut through people's bullshit and I feel like I'd like to be on there just to see how I would fare but yeah. also see how people are take to me because 
reality, I'd pretty much just sit in bed all day, every day, just kind of fucking yeah. mind and scrolling, just doing loads you're of a sweetheart. Stuff. I mean, if I've learned anything over getting to chat, you know, for the course of like two hours, whatever, it's your sweetheart. I think you would thrive. Yeah. What James and I, and what I think a lot of Americans love about Love Island is that unlike a lot of reality TV that is popular in the States, it is such a sincere show. Uh, and I know that people fucking, you know, use that to their advantage and, you know, manipulate yeah. and politic, but Honestly, man, I I, can, I don't foresee a scenario with you not winning. Now, whether or not, like, you know, that means you end up with the love of your life, you know, we're just going to have to find <laughs> out on next season of Love Island. Well, it's like, I think it's the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And when you're in the mainstream media, not just fashion, I think if you're in the mainstream media, people just want to attack you. And I don't think I've got the mental capacity to deal with shit. So, like, I'd rather just go under the radar and be in the opposite of Jay-Z. Would you rather be overpaid or underrated? Mm. I'd rather be underrated in this way. I'd love okay. to be overly, but I think in that kind of sense, I'd rather not get the bag and stay away from it and avoid the hassle than chase a quick bag. A sure. few fucking like people like me on reality TV, but yeah, I just don't think it's it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, if throwing if throwing fits has taught anybody anything, it's that uh, you can be both overpaid and overrated at the same time. <laughs> All right, Danny. You, you clearly have kind of risen up uh, in, in this, the fashion scene, the menswear scene, and you, know, you have a, a huge fan base, a lot of exciting projects on the horizon and happening right now. Um, quit while you're ahead, pivot, <laughs> pivot subcultures, and become king of Jack of the Lads. Oh, man. Get fucking, oh, start taking steroids, get fucking yoked, get horrible tattoos, yeah. get uh, a dusty Caesar, right? Get those little sippy cups on Love Island, get fucking shorts that are like, Three inch, three inch inseam. Go to Bitha, uh piss on a Greek monument. Um, yeah, yeah. You probably wear the same pants. I mean, just get more jacked in the yeah, pants. Yeah, just, jacked, just become a jacked yeah. lad. Yeah, hundred percent. And what were you saying to Luke? It was like about the tattoo. Oh, it's, it's all like, aesthetics. Like, yeah, yeah. I might get that fucking chance rapper quote, but change it a little <laughs> bit and get. I was on throwing fits. I'm never going to fail. Just somewhere. Oh yes, body. hell but, yeah. yeah. Down for Absolutely. life. Um, and then the final piece of constructive criticism uh, we have here for you, Danny, is um, have you thought about Brexiting from fucking Brexit? Have you thought about coming back to to ground zero of the vaccine, you, you know, hanging out in New York, you know, kicking it with us in Brooklyn? Have you thought about leaving the UK based on, you know, what? I'd be fucking down for that. Yeah. With boys like you, definitely. Like if I had a base to go to, sick, I'm fucking down. If I went on my own back, I think I'd struggle a little bit. But yeah, man, let's fucking chill. Let's Love fucking that. go. Absolutely. All right, perfect way to end the episode. T- to be continued uh, when Jimmy and Larry take Danny out for a night on the town. At oh, uh, yes. La- We're hitting La Noche. We're yep. reopening La Bump. Catch mm-hmm. us in the fucking drunk tank the next morning. Absolutely in jail for sure, 1,000%. <laughs> Danny's going to get fucking uh, extradited back to the UK. <laughs> yeah. He's going to get 21 savaged. <laughs> yeah. Danny, a, thank you for coming on the only podcast. Matters. Yo, where can the kids follow you? Oh, yeah, plug your shit. I am at Danny Lomas with two S's because some bastard nicks the uh, the oh, one S. Fuck. Um, so I'm at Danny Lomas with two S's on all platforms. Danny. Twitter? Yes, I don't really use it, but okay. I do like some good shit. Okay. What do you think of Sounds TikTok? Because there's that kid, uh, that model on TikTok that like kind of has like a, a, a similar look to you, and he like got famous for his like walk. He's just like Mate, he, fucking, he commented on my photo yesterday. It's I can't remember his name, but um I did that one where it was me and my car and I said we both had a breakdown. Someone yeah. commented saying, Is this you? And he commented and he follows me. But yeah, ah, I saw that. Interesting. Like I kind of rate it. Like 
I'd, I wouldn't be the first one to do it, but it's worked for him. And it's fucking, yeah, man. Do your thing. Nice one there. Respect. All right. Catch Danny on TikTok coming soon. Chef, <laughs> slap that motherfucking. Yo, Chef is going to have a boner. Yeah. From the music section. So, Chef, uh, dealer's choice, my guy. Go fucking nuts. Ooh, Danny. Can I put in a request? Yeah, of what course. Is it? What is your request? Please, can I have how sweet it is to be loved by you by Junior Walker and the All Stars? Chef. Write it down right now. Do Danny a favor. Slap that motherfucking outro music, baby. How sweet it is.